0: get it going it's time to get up a few goal posts a few unlucky bounces the Jets were the better team tonight as well and they'll take it for nothing these guys are here to break it all down
1: I think they were starting to ask around on Pearson a little bit and now of course Pearson got hurt I think they were taking some calls on Ben and Hamanick and Edler I think they were really starting to say okay here's what we got and then they started winning they had a really good road trip
0: let's have a little fun and make you a winner it's only
2: game. Why do you have to be mad?
0: This is the starting lineup. Here's James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski.
3: Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is Tuesday, March 23rd. This is the starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet, 650. James Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack. He's on the other side of the glass, kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here at 6.50 on the AM dial in high definition on HD3 at 96.9 or also streaming on the Sportsnet app. Yeah, the Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business at 6.50, 6.50. Get your submissions in for your Canucks and a song. What song best sums up what you saw on the ice last night? And at 7.30 this morning... We'll also play fair or foul, so you can get your submissions in as well at 650-650. Give us your take, no matter how hot it is, and we'll weigh in whether it's fair or foul. Lots to get to over the course of the morning pair. I guess the encouraging thing after last night's Canucks loss is at least they didn't lose to a team that had lost 20 straight coming in.
2: Well, if you want to deflect it and talk basketball, we can. I'm more encouraged by the fact that they've got one game and a week off. But, man, talk about limping across the finish line to their break. It just, uh, you know, I I think a lot of people questioned what we witnessed, if it could be sustainable. And the fact is, I, I thought they played pretty good hockey. We'll hear from Travis Green. They were okay for what they have. But when you've got a team that go, okay, if we play our best, will we win. No, they just don't have enough talent right now. Playing their best is not good enough to win a lot of hockey games right now. So, yeah, if you want to talk Raptors in Toronto, sure, we can. But, man, it was, it was difficult to watch that Bull Horvat injury. And now next man up, they're going, okay, who actually is our next man? Tough, tough night for the Vancouver Canucks
3: you know, if you watched the broadcast last night, Colby Armstrong in one of the intermissions broke down, had a wonderful array of Canucks scoring chances and man, all the scoring chances, lots of opportunities and either missed nets uh, posts or putting it right into Connor Hellebuck, who, you know, positionally was just there all night, even, even trying to play the puck when he fell down on his keister, he just didn't, you know, just didn't really seem to put himself into a whole lot of harm's way. But, uh boy exactly like you said if there was ever a time to get a week off in the schedule this was it i mean it is incredible to look at the run that this team has now had over this past month never mind the wins the injuries now you've lost to all four of your centers your first your second your third and your fourth line centers by the end of the game last night they're all hurt now I think it looks like Jay Beagle's probably coming back sooner rather than later, and we don't know the severity of Bo Horvat. But last night, pair I think after the first 20 minutes of play, it kind of felt like, you know what, this is one of those nights that I'm not sure the Canucks are scoring. It just kind of had that feeling after the first 20, and by the start of the third, well, you knew it was effectively over when you watched Bo Horvat hobbling off to the ice. And, man, when you see the opposition – You know, there's the Jets bench reaching their sticks out, trying to give Bo a little nudge on his his A-double crooked letter to try to help get him to the bench. I mean, love the respect first off by the Jets, but you get a sense that that looks pretty serious, at least in the eyes of fellow teammates and colleagues when a guy like that is struggling and you've got the opposition in the middle of a heated, tight contest that are trying to help the guy get off.
2: Athletes know. Right, they know. The players on the ice know automatically when that's that's not a – he's going to have to go walk in the in the hallway in front of the dressing room and he'll be able to to wear it off. They know, and you're exactly right. You know, you, you can just tell maybe they heard the sound when the puck hit him. Could there be some kind of fracture? Who knows? But you, you make the, the point, James. They have those opportunities that Armstrong talks about, but you think about it. You know, Horlock, eh, okay, so he's a minor leaguer. Zach McEwen, I thought he's played well in the last week, but really most of his career has been in the minor leagues. You know, Vesey comes. I thought he played well. But Jake Furtanen's pushed into a top-six role. Holglander to a top-six role. Everybody's been pushed into spots where they are, and it's just – I mean, you can only deplete your lineup so much. And I looked at last night. You see Horvet go down, and maybe they get Beagle back, but they're decimated down the middle, playing maybe the best team down the middle in the North Division. And I thought, I wonder – I wonder if because now what we're going to see, whether Petey comes back and Miller, I think, would still play center because of what you're doing. I wonder if somehow this could be a get out of jail free card for Jim Benning going, you know what? Like, how can you actually judge this hockey team on on two months on a slow start that maybe they just weren't ready individually to play? Then they get some great goaltending. But hey, that's the goalie they chose to keep. And now you're gonna be battling ravaged with injuries for possibly the final nineteen games. Is it one of these years where you go, I I saw it, they weren't successful, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just make all my bets on the coach and the GM on what I witnessed. If they're down and as injured as they will be and maintain, if they don't have Bo Horvat maybe for the next month, I don't know if you can make that decision on this team.
3: Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, you're suggesting that what happened here in a in a three week to a four week span might big picture or overshadow seven years of work. Well, pair. I mean, the de- I, I just look at look at where the organization is depth wise. I think you've obviously you're really kind of starting to see it now. I mean, look at the last week, right? Like you just made two waiver claims from what the Leafs are doing now. You know, where's that going in terms of a big-picture standpoint? We'll get into it at 6.30. Does it clear the deck for potential moves to be made? Right now, it just might be just to ice a lineup properly at this point, right? I mean, with the bodies going down, but I don't know if you can ultimately – I don't know if you can give Jim Benning a hall pass over the fact that all of a sudden injuries have happened here. I, I that, that, to me, I don't think that flies.
2: Jim Benning is trying to fix the problem that he created, and that's too much money on the bottom six. Hey, if, if ever in any way he can move some term before the trade deadline, that's a massive win. But he's trying to shape his hockey team and go, you know what? Vesey at his number is a guy that helps. Travis Boyd at his number, that's how you build the bottom six. So he's trying to right a wrong, and he, you got to admit, yes, he's made the wrong. There's too much money on the back end. But I do think it's possible that they go, yeah, no, you made some really moves that didn't work. But you might get a hall pass. We can't judge this hockey team in the final two months because they're so banged up.
3: Well, the one thing I saw last night, by the end of the game, on social media, the consistent narrative from a lot of people in Canucks Nation or Canucks Twitter last night was sell, 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 sell. Which sell? Who? You know what? It, which it's like this. This team, it's not sustainable. If, if Horvat and Pedersen are out long term you know Sutter's out for another stretch. Pearson like look at the bodies. Like you know you're now without a third, you know, you're now without half of your top 6 right now. Uh by the end of last night's game, you're missing your third and fourth line centers. Like it's no shortage of injuries here in the lineup for this team. But the idea of selling Here's my one question, pair. What do they have? What do the Canucks have that is appealing to other teams around the league that they'd like to cut bait on. Right? I mean, you know, you're talking about Beagle and Roussel and contracts along with Jake Vertanen right now. I mean, there's spare parts that, at best for, for teams that might look at the idea of winning a Stanley Cup. Like, do you think that there's a market for a Jordy Ben out there? Like, Jordy Ben on an expiring contract? Sure. Okay. You know, Ultimately, if nothing else, the Canucks get $2 million of cap space back at the end of the season. But Jordy Ben's having a hard enough time playing 12 minutes a night. Like how many teams out there that have their pro scouts assigned to go watch all these games around the league and say, you know what, Jordy Ben could really make a difference for us on the way to a Stanley Cup. Not happening.
2: Well, but, uh, there's nothing to sell. Like, if you're looking at selling someone young and getting something back in return, uh, you know, Jake Bertanen's not that. Maybe Adam Gaudet has some interest somewhere else, but that's it. I mean, it, it's easy to say sell, sell. Someone else is on social media. Time to play the kids. What kids? <laughs> what, what kids do you have other than Ole Levy? You know, what kids are coming into to play? Uh, you know, this this team is doesn't have much left, and they're adding to it with Travis Boyd, which was a nice pickup. But there's not a lot here. So to say, sell, sure, you're listening. But I, don't, I would be shocked to see if the Canucks move anybody that's not going on being on an expiring contract anyways. You know, I, I think there'll be some people that would ask if Travis Hancock wants to go anywhere. I, I think Jordy Ben might be valuable as a 7th or 8th defenseman on a really good team. But that's not changing anything for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, The only bright spot you can look at is you see Pud Coulson's team won yesterday in overtime. Does he come in? And prove and go, hey, here's a guy. If if Hoaglander can jump in, Pod Colson seems like ever since the World Junior Championships, he has just been the guy and will be a fit on an NHL team right away and help this team. But sell who? Like, who wants Anton Roussel? Like, th- well this is, my, take, this is my this is my this is my
3: point. But this is my point, right? You, yeah. you you touch on Jordy Benton. So like if you're another general manager based on what you've seen, would you give up a prospect or a pick? No. To take Jordy, Ben? Yeah, so why would you expect one of the 31 other general managers, or 30 right now, that are in in it? Why would you expect? Like, it's just, that to me is just not realistic right now. Now, what's interesting is the idea of playing the kids. So Cole Lynn is sidelined right now with a fractured nose.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And they brought him north of the border to quarantine. Um, And I think to kind of get a look at doctors. So, I mean, fractured nose, but by the time, Now, according to The Athletic, um, Lynn's quarantine is supposed to be up April 2nd. Now, does he get some games in at the end of the season uh, where this is? I think we're both on the same page. With all these injuries right now, it doesn't feel like it's sustainable to try to stay in it at this point in time for the team.
2: Well, they didn't lose uh, any space because Calgary lost. Montreal didn't play. Kind of crunched the numbers. Here's how it would play out. Canucks will have 19 games left. I'm, I'm chalking up a loss for them tomorrow. Mm. Uh, they would have to play at that win two out of every three. And they would need the Montreal Canadiens. I know you thought maybe it's the Oilers they're catching. I don't think they're catching the M2 Oilers. I think it's the Habs if they're supposed to catch anybody. And Montreal would have to play at a 500 pace. Now, playing 500 in the North Division is, is you know, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, as we see by the Canucks. But that's where they're at. And if you're going to get there without Bo Horvat, if you're going to get there, you know, with Petey and Miller broken up because you're going to need both them, I mean, that just seems like a, a tough, tough task. It's not over. They need this break. But, boy, they, when they come back next Wednesday, they, they've got to win hockey games. And it just seems like it's – they're patching everything up. I love how they competed yesterday but injuries have caught up to these guys right now. It's crazy what they're doing down the middle.
3: Let's hear from JT Miller on uh, where things kind of sat from a health standpoint on this team. And, you know, as JT Miller kind of alluded to, no time to cry, next man up.
4: Well, the challenge is we need guys to step up to the plate. I mean, this is an opportunity. As much as it sucks to lose pretty much all of our centers at at this point, um, you know, this stuff happens. Guys are going to get an opportunity. We need guys to step up because this is the hard part of the season. Um, like I said, we just need to literally challenge ourselves to be, we need to be the best version of ourselves right now. The guys that are going to fill in these roles and guys are going to get more ice time. And it's just got to be, you know, you got we have to play very desperate hockey right now. And like I said, whoever's called on to fill in, we gotta, we gotta be good because stuff like this happens.
3: It's a question of who ultimately steps in. Here's what I can tell you, Pear. Um, we talked about, you know, what the Canucks can do with the deadline, whether they sell and can they move some assets Here's what I've been hearing uh, over the last 24 hours. And I'm told the Canucks and the Panthers are said to be talking. And it could be for a potential fit for Jake Furtanen. And one of the names that the Canucks are looking at is defenseman Marcus Nudavara, who has kind of fallen out of favor in the Panthers organization here. So Nutavara, a seventh-round pick. Uh, out of Columbus back in 2015, he's 26 years old right now. He's a bottom pairing defenseman who carries an AAV of 2.7 million. What's interesting though is Nudar's actual dollars for next season: 3.3 million. All right, he's an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 22. Coincidentally, whose contract is 3.4 million in actual dollars next season? jake for Tannen. so Nudavara has only played a handful of games this season with the panthers he's actually been replaced he's over uh, overtaken by former vancouver canucks pick gustav forling uh forsling but there's a possible situation and scenario a fresh start for two guys who've kind of gone off cliffs in their respective organizations but that's what i'm hearing Jake Frattanen, possibly to the Florida Panthers in exchange for one of the Panthers' depth defensemen. And when you look at the contracts, defenseman Marcus Nudavara seems to be the guy that could be the best fit financially.
2: Well, I think essentially what you would be doing is a guy who could be a bottom six guy, although, you know, I'd left handed shot, finished defenseman, you would hope that Olio Olevi could be in that role, but. You know, where's Jake Furtanen next year? If Pod Colson comes in and has some jump, if they look to add yet someone else on the wing with some money because you don't want to spend it on your bottom six because you'll get rid of some of it with Sutter's, Jake Furtanen moves down to a fourth-line role, right, essentially. I mean, he's had an opportunity here, hasn't done anything special. You know, you see him make the, the end-to-end rush yesterday. You go, well, like, why can't you see that a little more regularly? It just doesn't happen. So if you could move a guy who's going to be running your third or fourth on the wing and you think you've got more depth in front of him coming to a defenseman who you think you know might be able to fill and play and is timed out, I, I, I like that deal, right? I mean, I think this Canucks team is, is finished with Jake. He's had his chance. If you could move the money and go, I'd rather have depth than somebody on the wing, uh, let's make that trade. I think when it comes to Jake, you're exactly right, James. It's going to be, well, what number is coming back? And that number is going to have to be the same. And if you can find a comparable on a guy that's on a bench and not playing, that may be a fit.
3: Uh, 650, 650, the Dunbar Lumber Text Line. Uh, get those submissions in. Canucks and a song. We'll get to ours here coming up in a moment. I do want to share with you something Elliot Friedman had to say, not only on the 31 Thoughts podcast in the latest edition with Jeff Merrick, but something he also shared on our sister station on Sportsnet 960, the fan out of Calgary yesterday, and where the Canucks kind of sit right now in the NHL landscape. Obviously, uh, this was before the game last night, and, you know, depending. On the severity of Bo Horvat's injury, you know, still don't know the full extent of uh, Tanner Pearson's. Aside from the fact that you know he's out for a bit, uh, but here's what Friedman had to say on where the Canucks kind of sit right now at the start of the week.
1: The math isn't good for them, um, you know, it just isn't. But their got like, so Saturday night, I looked at their forwards. The 12 guys they played forward had 69 goals this year going into that game. Um, Besser and Horvat had 28 of them. So you got 10 guys with 41. And then VC had five in Toronto. So you had nine guys drafted with 36 and they scored four times and they lost in shootout. And so they had a really strong road trip without their best player and really beaten up. And I I think what they're saying is there's two things. Number one, you have to reward that. I understand that fans and media think differently, but your players think a certain way and they don't want to feel that you're bailing on them when they're competing. Now, if you're bailing on them with a great trade that you just can't say no to, I think they understand that. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, if you're doing it just for, I don't know, a mid round draft pick, you're probably you're saying you're not really helping yourself. Now the the other thing I think here, and this is a factor, you know, let's just say the Canucks do make a run here.
5: Does it help them?
1: Does it help rebound their their economics out of the pandemic? And I and you know, like I will tell you, I've had owners tell me before, just the difference in your renewals when you make the playoffs. And like I said, the math is not good for them. The odds are more likely they don't make it than make it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't think owners aren't looking at that right now and saying, you know, do we sell a few extra tickets? Do we do a few extra things because we're in the race? You're kidding yourself. And so I think the kid, like put it this way. I think they've been taking calls on Hamanek, depending on what he wants to do. I think they've been taking some calls on Ben. He has a small, no, uh, no trade list. Um, I think they've been taking calls on Pearson, obviously, before he got hurt. I think they've been taking calls on Sutter. And I think they're just sort of gauging the market. And I think they're still doing that, but I don't think they're going to act. Like, I think they're going to say, we're going to wait before we act just to see how this goes.
3: So there's Elliot Friedman uh, trying to explain the method to the madness. It kind of furthers uh, the point that he made on uh, Hockey Night in Canada over the weekend, pair that uh, the Canucks were going to kind of sit and wait um, based on how things were kind of playing out for a team that had been absolutely on fire. You know, ultimately in the last, what, 48 hours, things have kind of gone off the rails where not only uh, did the Canucks lose in the shootout on Saturday night, but then obviously – you know, we don't know the extent of the Horvat injury. Here's the other thing. How did they all wind up playing last night when you factor in, like, the entire roster was exposed to two guys who are now in COVID protocol, right? Like, how did that go down last night? Like you trying to understand the yeah. NHL's COVID protocol last night? The fact that Joel Armia and Yasperi Kotkaniemi for the Montreal Canadiens are in COVID protocol. The first NHL game in the North Division got postponed last night as a result of COVID protocol. But, like, the entire Canucks lineup last night was on the ice in Montreal less than 48 hours prior. They all got tested, according to Ian McIntyre, yesterday at the rink. But you don't have the test results back, so do you just simply play on? Like, what happens there if you're trying to do contact tracing? Like, aren't all these guys technically exposed to all those players on the Montreal Canadiens, particularly the two that are in COVID protocol?
2: Yeah, no, you, you question how that came down and the timing of it all and the reports that maybe they won't practice this morning. I want to get back to Elliot because I disagree with something. Mm. When you have been in the world we have, um, if you've been fortunate to maintain your job, I disagree with the renewal basis. You're a hockey fan, and we see it on the text this morning and last night and people calling. I mean, people care so much about this Canucks team. That's, that's the great and the, the negative in Vancouver, the passion for it. I don't I don't think what you're watching now is keeping you away from going next year. If you've got the financial uh, wherewithal to go to games, you are missing your game like never before. You can't wait to get into that building in October and cheer. So to say, well, you know, what's it gonna be financially if we stay in the postseason run? I just don't think. And please text us 650 650 if I'm wrong. No, we've got some people who are regulars who are season ticket holders. You can't wait to get there. Whether it's to boo and say your team is trash. But I do think when it's taken away from you, you're anxious to get back to it, James. And I don't know if it's about selling tickets right now, and that's why you got to keep a push for the playoffs going.
3: Money talks, man. Money talks. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar-Lumber text line Canucks in a song. Uh, Why don't you kick off the party here this morning, Pear?
2: Well, to me, it was pretty easy. It was one of those games last night. You just say, it's not working. You're working hard. And then Horvat goes down, and it's kind of – melancholy and i just go well you kind of got nobody left they're banged up what's that classic by rem i thought everybody hurts
6: everybody
4: hurts sometimes sometimes
0: everything is
2: wrong listen (laughs) everything's wrong Everybody hurts. That's what's going on. Bring on Wednesday night. I've already got it in the loss column. Let these guys get some rest. See if they can get healthy. Uh, What do you got?
3: Petey, Bo, Beagle, Sutter, Pearson. Yeah, everybody does hurt. Uh, Here's my song this morning. And uh, you know what? You look at the setback last night. They've got one more game before a week off here. And, man, what you talk about a perfect time. But when you look, depending on the severity of these injuries, pair. I'm going with one of the best live acts on the planet. You know, if we ever get fans back at arenas and stadiums and stands once again and you haven't seen these guys live yet, I highly recommend going to check out Muse. But my Canucks in a song is, time is running out. A total fair or foul, by the way, in my ear from uh, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, who says Radiohead is better. That's terrible, man. Mm. I want to listen to Radiohead. I want to cry, man. At Truth least, hurts. At least, I, I'm sorry, but at least with Muse, they, they also have sort of an end-of-the-world mindset, but at least it's apocalyptic, like we're going out with explosions as opposed to with a candle and weeping. What do you got for your Canucks in a song there, Ballack?
5: Well, first of all, I'm not even going to compare Muse to Radiohead because they're on completely different levels. Whatever. Know? But I'm going with a different route here. I know it's Canucks in a song, but after the game, this is kind of my thoughts of what Jim Benning was sending around to the rest of the league. It's Blondie, call me. Call me. Call me Call me. you can call me. Open up those phone lines. Yeah. It's trade season. <laughs> yeah,
2: I've got a gently used Jordy Ben. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. Hey, Jim, how are you? Good. What do you want? Someone's trading. Uh, we'll get into some of these texts uh, uh, on the other side. Someone's trading Quinn Hughes. We've gone off the rails here. Oh my God.
3: All yeah. right, where are we going? Uh, hey, let's get to a couple of uh, other real quick. Uh, Tommy in East Van, East Van. Tommy's got this submission. His Canucks in a song. He's going with a little April Wine. Oh man, uh, yeah, Crash and Burn from April Wine. Jay and Lady Smith, he's got Stone Sour after that one. Yeah, staying tough is positive. That's from Jay and Lady Smith. Keep them rolling in at 650-650. A lot of other texts coming in as well. 25 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Cebulski. In a moment, the Canucks version of Virage Sale. There's some positives to it. We'll get to that. Plus, man, the flames with the ultimate display of poor sportsmanship. We'll get to that next right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
0: Rasmus Anderson. he's going to take the puck away. Brady Kachuk's going to go get the puck for the youngster. Gustafson first win in the National Hockey League. And Matty Kachuk shoots it down the ice. This is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: I mean, if you like villains, then you had to love what you watched last night with Rasmus Sanderson and Matthew Kachuk from the Calgary Flames kind of playing their own version of sore losers playing keep away with the puck that the Senators were trying to gather for their goaltender Philip Gustafson who picks up the win last night in his first NHL win but man that's just man that is just crappy sportsmanship right there
2: well and we sit here in Vancouver and go okay you know the Canucks didn't do enough and then but we, at least we have the injuries to fall on. In Calgary, the expectations were through the roof, and rightly so. They addressed what they figured were the glaring problems, a little more defense, and a good goalie. And now they can't score. I mean, Ottawa's given up more goals than anybody. They can't score on them. And, you know, Sutter afterwards, that I thought we played well because, you know, they were tight checking games, also said, you know what, uh, we, we need to get a couple of goals there and we need a couple of saves. Uh oh. Uh oh, six times six. It ate a couple of saves. Uh, Markstrom was hard on himself a couple of games ago. Now the coach is saying, yeah, you make a couple of saves, it helps the situation. But, man, that's uh, that's something in Calgary they're not going to fix. And we wonder if Jim Benning's around for a while. What do you do if you're Brad Levin? He's pulled absolutely every card he can. They're going to have to make a move in Calgary if they don't find the postseason.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, this team was kind of built for, for this this year, right? You went out and you signed Tanev, you signed Markstrom, and... You know they've got some games in hand on the Canucks, but you know it's funny. I, I know a lot of people kind of laughed at me when I said the, the Flames would be on the outside looking in. Man, I was I was all in on the Flames a few years ago. I really thought I, I liked them as a dark horse a few years ago, but I feel like they've kind of missed their ex. They've kind of hit the expiration date with the core of this group. Like I just don't, just don't see it.
2: Well, it's interesting. The Flames give up their first goal because Mark Giordano with a bad pinch. Well, what happened yesterday in Vancouver? You know, Alex Edler, the steady old veteran, at some point, time catches up to you, right? And Giordano to be a couple years removed from, you know, his best years. And really, it came out of nowhere to go, wow, this guy's a rock-solid defenseman. But we've seen it with Alex Edler. The number of people on social media go, man, if he's up against someone fast, he just can't catch him, so be a little bit safer. It seems to catch up to people at some point. And, yeah, Calgary right now, I don't know if they're figuring it out. And I don't have a problem with it. I'm not a big Flames fan, but I am also, you go, you know, Jim Benning, Markstrom, Markstrom, Markstrom. Did he not call that one right? Yeah, maybe too much money for Holpe, but that's a safety net. Well, Mark's from struggling right now, and that's not going to get any better if this team can't get across the finish line right uh, now, Perl-
3: so. Perl- let's get to some of these texts here in a moment on the Dunbar-Lumber text line at 650-650. A lot of people up and Adam Brighton early this morning weighing in with their thoughts on the Canucks. We'll get to those in a moment, but also let's get into today's edition of Seaball Says.
0: You know, I was like to take this opportunity to talk about myself. Seaball Says on Sportsnet 650 with all due respect to
3: Ryan Lewis, it was the wordsmith, McLemore, who once said,
7: One man's trash, that's another man's come up. like a granddad.
3: That seems to be the Canucks' approach these days, checking the NHL's waiver wire, which is the league's version of a garage sale or Facebook marketplace, for anything that the Leafs might post. Case in point, 27-year-old Travis Boyd, the second Leaf placed on waivers in the last week. It's a win in the eyes of many, if nothing else from a price point, right? Boyd and VC they cost the Canucks $1.6 million combined. That's more in line with what a bottom six player might be like. Far unlike the bloated bottom six salaries of Sutter, Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson, which accounts for more than $16 million, or ten times what the VC and Boyd price point is. Here's what Anthony Stewart had to say about the newest Vancouver Canuck, Travis Boyd, on Hockey Central on Monday
7: he made the most of his opportunity and again he, he had a couple nights where he had big games he ended up back in the press box and that's very very tough on your mental state when you're doing everything that's asked of you but it was just a, a numbers game where you know they had a lot of guys that they were trying to get in and out of the lineup too but he was a solid NHL player I think he had 8 points in the 20 games that he played uh, so again he needs an opportunity he's going to get the most of it uh, in Vancouver Vancouver's
0: going through some injury problems right now with Pedersen and Pearson on the shelf so uh, it's always good
6: to see guys that made the most of their opportunity get another opportunity uh elsewhere so i think he can be a solid bottom six guy he's you know he can skate he can finish checks and he's got a little bit of a scoring touch
3: now are these guys difference makers who can grow with this vancouver group probably not while boyd brings some speed to the lineup he isn't consistent enough to score regularly and according to one pro scout he's very average defensively which makes him a depth player vc meanwhile well He's on his fourth team since 2019. But these contracts are low risk. They are value deals, and no one will crucify the Canucks for plucking them. They provide depth for a squad that is already minus, what, now half of their top six, and as of last night, they are now missing their first, second, third, and fourth line centers. All of their centers are gone right now. They need bodies. But as Thomas Drance of The Athletic also pointed out on social media in the last 24 hours, the move also suggests a team looking to clear the deck for deals before the NHL's trade deadline in less than three weeks. Now, whether there's much of an appetite or market for Hammonick, Sutter, Ben, or even an injured Pearson, that all remains to be seen. But at least it does provide some flexibility. And for an organization that hasn't had much of that lately, consider these depth moves a win no matter how small they are that's this morning's seaball says
2: well I completely agree that they're a win but what it also does is shine the spotlight on how you so egregiously overpaid for what you needed on the bottom six and that's why if somehow and i don't know how james unless there you are throwing in somebody who you think has upside in utica and i don't know who that is or or you're selling someone, how you get rid of one of those bottom six contracts, and I look at, I, I think, Beagle and Roussel to make room uh, to go, That that's what it should be. So, yeah, you know, one man's junks, another man's treasure kind of is a, an indication of where you are with your roster right now. But bottom six players, Jim Benning's kind of realizing, all right, I need my money for my top guys now. I've got to change it. He's just missing it by a year, and that extra term was always something – going back three years going wow you signed those guys for three four years that's too long now he's paying the price but trying to fix it we'll see if he can do that in two weeks
3: well i mean it's you like you look at the price points look at the time how do you attract veterans on the open market you have to, to come overpay to a team that was exactly. yes but unfortunately it's one thing to overpay it's the term that's starting to become problematic for this team right and so I think that the notion was at the time 3 years ago they wanted to be a team that was harder to compete against. They tried to address that with Beagle and Roussel. Um and unfortunately, you look at the dollars and the term like 4 years, right? But at the time like I I I talked to one manager in the league a few years ago at the time and they wanted Roussel. Like they liked Roussel. There were a lot of teams. There was close to a third of the league that was kicking tires on Antoine Roussel. But, man, everybody kind of backed off when they heard, whoa, the Canucks are giving you four years. All right, you do you. <laughs> right? like that's, yeah. that's a lot of money, man. That's a lot of but money. It,
2: it also spoke to what they had. They just didn't have anything there. And, you know, let's think about where is this hockey team if you don't have massive home runs with your draft picks? You know, I'm, how many Quinn Hughes and PDs are you? We've talked about three years in a row. It hadn't happened since the late 60s that you've actually had players that have been up four or one a calder trophy i mean it's so rare and you know if if jay beagle was making a million and a half or two million a little easier to swallow right same thing with roselle but it's also where the market was at that time you had to completely overpay do you actually think roselle's next contract is anywhere near this one not a chance so you got stuck in it to add players as a travis boyd who will be a big part of it now next week And have an opportunity if we see how long these injuries are at center. I thought Jimmy Vesey was good against yesterday, right? If that's your bottom six guy with some skill, he'll give you the odd goal. That's great. You can keep him around next year. I don't have a problem with that. But it shines the spotlight on how things are so wrong with their bottom six right now.
3: Yeah, 650-650 uh, um, here on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Uh, let's see. Uh, who do the Canucks have that other teams would be interested? Sell Quinn mm. Hughes. Oh, man, this is uh, this is uh, what you were talking about here this morning, right? Get back a top six forward and a first. Um, Hughes has offensive chops, but he's been terrible defensively. And what's worse is he's lazy. Drives me nuts when he's constantly late to bat the back of the net, picking up his check. and coughs up the puck. Man. Worst plus minus on the team. Doug and Delta. S- wow. Sell him, trade him while he's still got high value. Man, Doug, I understand things are not going well right now, but that is not <laughs> the answer. That is, that okay, you know, if we're playing fair or foul here at 641 this morning, that's a foul.
2: You're, you're not touching that, uh, but, you know, what he says is true. Who do the Canucks have that have an interest of guys that you're not going to move? And it drops off pretty quick because you have a top six where you go, I don't necessarily know, with the exception of Petey, of Miller, of Hughes, and sometimes you question whether it's Besser or Bowen. I wouldn't move either of those guys, but certainly there is significant value of there. It really drops off in a big way for this team. So sell, Jim, sell. Easy to say, everybody. Easy to text. Who's coming and buying? Like, what do they really love when you look at this Vancouver Canucks roster right now? And there's, there's not a whole lot there that gets you excited.
3: You know, we're against the clock, and we can get into this a little more. Scott Oak uh, from Hockey Night in Canada is going to join us just after 7 o'clock. But, you know, I, I think one former NHLer kind of said to me recently that this market may be guilty of overrating their best players. You know, maybe Patterson and Hughes, they're, they're good. They're talented young players. There's no taking away. Like, they're all-star caliber players. But when you look at franchise players – you know, around the league, you know, is Petey that guy up front?
2: I don't disagree with that. I, I think, it, you know, the same could be said about Toronto. We always want to compare it to Toronto. I think Toronto's been guilty for 50 years of overrating their players, and they might have got one right uh, in Austin and Matthews. I'm not so sure that Mitch Marner is the, the darling everyone thinks he is. Uh I think that's a fair comment. I mean, but he's also,
3: but like he also flirted with a hundred points like a season and a half ago, right? Like, you know, Marner, Marner puts up some pretty big numbers. Now Petey's only what in year three, but injuries seem to creep up annually. And, you know, I guess it's a question of still trying to figure out what that ceiling is. Anyway, we can continue this more coming up at, uh, at seven o'clock, but, uh, what sort of BS do you have on the agenda this morning there, Solkowski? Well,
2: hey, listen, it, it wasn't great how Monday night ended, but it was fun to deal with all that March madness. And I'll tell you what, do you stray away from what's working? No, you don't. There's suspicions and there's superstitions in college basketball. That's P.S. All I here on this Tuesday morning on Sportsnet 650.
0: He always tries to be ahead of the game.
2: Harry was in front.
0: Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS! You want
2: and I want the
0: truth! It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. It's
2: always all about the Canucks, but there are other things going on in the world of sports. We uh, give you a little tidbit in the form of no BS, just PS. PS, everybody. Gonzaga Bulldogs continue their run towards perfection, the perfect season. So you stay the course, right? You don't change anything. But their star drew Timmy with that handlebar mustache. Well, his mom doesn't feel that way. I
5: spoke with your mom today. She said if you make it to the Sweet 16, you have to shave your mustache. Did you know that?
7: I did not. This is news to me, but uh, you know what? Uh, I think after this game, she'll be okay if I keep it.
2: Mom's (laughs) orders. Yeah, stash is something else. James, I know we had Robert Sacra on the Gonzaga Bulldog via Hansworth High School. He said the Bulldogs no one's getting in their way. You had them losing yesterday. Uh, I don't know if anyone's getting in their way. They look good.
3: I've got 5 teams left in the Sweet 16. <laughs> out of 16 teams, I've got less than a third of the teams right. Yeah, this has been my, my bracket's been just it's been abysmal.
2: Four of them out of the pack, man. It's a good uh, it's been a good year for those out west. Uh, PS, uh, proving what you can do in crunch time is key. It's all about how you handle the pressure.
0: Jones goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama!
2: Man, you forget how good Devontae Smith was in college football for Alabama. So guess what? Today in Alabama, it's the pro day. Devontae Smith is doing nothing. He said he will jump on his scale after yesterday telling all the pro teams, I weigh 170 pounds. I'll prove it. I'll jump on the scale for you but that's all I'm doing. He's going to be a late top 10 guy, but I like Devontae Smith and the swagger going, what do I need to prove to you? Did you not watch the tape?
3: I mean, he had a, like, what an incredible first half of the national championship, but then got hurt, right?
2: Yeah. He was unstoppable. So... The fact is, do you trust a guy who's going to weigh 170 pounds? Someone will, and he'll make it.
3: Well, I, I mean, I believe, i you know, as much as you love Devontae Smith and his swag for that, I mean, haven't you been critical about Petey's weight?
2: Yeah, uh, a different type of sport. You know, Devontae Smith, you got to hit him to catch him. Petey, you can catch and hit. Yeah, you need to get a little bit bigger. He may. But, no, Devontae Smith's going to be a superstar in the NFL. Hey, P.S., I hate to bring it down, but there was tragedy in the waters yesterday. Unaware how often it happens, but yesterday a 22-year-old surfer from El Salvador who was an Olympic hopeful for that country uh, died because of lightning strike. Uh, It happened to a Brazilian surfer a couple of years ago, uh, Catherine Hernandez, heading out of the water at 5 o'clock for her regular practice session and kind of rolled the dice, hit by lightning. They tried to revive her. Not the case. She was a superstar in El Salvador, her brother, the president. It's just a fear factor, people, man. When it's nasty outside, take some shelter no matter where you are. Not touching P.S. It. No. P.S. If you added a pound or two during COVID, and who hasn't? While well, the Americans, they're saying at least one company wants one or two more pounds.
0: So you like donuts, eh? Mm-hmm. Well, have all the donuts in the world! <laughs>
2: So that kind of is the mantra of Krispy Kreme for the next year. The chain announced yesterday in the States, all you have to do is present your vaccination card that you have taken your shots, and you can get a free donut. And you can do it every day till the end of the calendar year. Get vaccinated, get a donut, keep your COVID weight on, thanks to Krispy Kreme.
3: Wait, if you get vaccinated, you get a free donut? every day for the rest every of the day. year
2: every day there's no hey bob you were here yesterday no i know but you're paying your policies uh, uh, uh,
3: they're they're going to you know crispy cream no pun intended here they're going to eat the profits essentially like or is this a federal yeah. government bailout here in america like how is this being funded
2: considering how quickly and how well the americans have actually come up with the vaccine Considering how Americans love to eat and love to eat their junk food, which I would classify Krispy Kreme, I don't know from a percentage standpoint how they win. Now, I was looking through because I'm like you going, get one free as long as you buy a dozen. No, it kind of, I'm going, okay, you're telling me I can just roll in and get a donut? Hey, it's a family of six and here's our six vaccination cards, excellent. And here's, I don't know how they win, but that's the facts. That's not BS everybody, that's PS on this Tuesday morning.
3: Uh, 6.53 here on this uh, Tuesday morning on Sportsnet 650. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Cebulski. Uh Coming up, we'll dive into more of what went down last night for the Canucks. Not only a loss uh, in the L column, but also potentially a huge loss uh, in the lineup as well. Bo Horvat limping off the ice in the third period, taking a puck off a shot from uh, Alex Edler right off the left foot. Uh, we'll dive into that much, much more. Well, your thoughts as well at 650-650 on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. And Scott Oak from Hockey Net in Canada all coming up next right here on your home of
0: Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet
3: 650.
0: Let's get it going. It's time to get up. A few goal posts, a few unlucky bounces. The Jets were the better team tonight as well, and they'll take it 4 nothing. These guys are here to break it all down.
1: I think they were starting to ask around on Pearson a little bit, and now of course Pearson got hurt. I think they were taking some calls on Ben and Hamannick and Edler. I think they were really starting to say, okay, here's what we got. And then they started winning, they had a really good road trip.
0: Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. It's only game. Why do you have to be mad? This is the starting lineup. Here's James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski.
3: 7-0-1 here on this Tuesday morning. Mainly cloudy skies. The forecast high at 10 degrees. He's Perry. I'm James. What's happening, everybody? Uh, tough one for the Vancouver Canucks last night. Man, and, and tough in so many different areas as the team is now officially without their first, second, third, and fourth line centers pair as Bo Horvat uh, limps off the ice. Uh, and it did not look good. And No update, and I wouldn't anticipate any sort of update on Horvat until after their week-long break. But third period, already trailing. Alex Edler with a shot from the point. There's Bo in front of the net trying to be that net front presence and takes it right on the left foot. Um, Man, shout out to the Jets players for trying to help Bo get to the bench there as he's skating by but that did not look good for their captain and their second-line center going off last night, already severely undermanned up front.
2: Yeah, there is a statue of a Canucks coach outside the arena of him waving a white towel, Roger Nielsen, of course, and you you almost felt, and, and we, you know, we're seeing it from the fan base in the sense that, hey, at least they're trying to stay positive, but when Horvath goes down and you're going, okay, you're down four starting centers And it's great to say next man up. And I guess that next man will likely be Travis Boyd, although Jay Beagle getting healthier. And yes, the finish line and finally a break comes after tomorrow night. But it just seemed like what else can happen to this team now that they're getting rolling, they've done it without Petey, to see Horvath go down. And James, players just know. And it just seemed that Bo knew right away, doing everything he could to try and put weight on it. Jets players knew that he was trying to grind it out. They push him. We'll find out. There were no details yesterday as far as any injury updates coming from the head coach after the game. But it doesn't look good, and it just shines the spotlight on, I'm not going to say a lack of depth. They've played well with what they've had through all these injuries, but now it's almost too much to ask for what this team has to do now.
7: Yeah,
3: it doesn't seem sustainable. I mean, I will say this. There's been a few people texting in this morning on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 6.50, 6.50, saying, man, talk about perfect timing, snapping up Travis Boyd, which, by the way, the third Travis uh, on the Vancouver Canucks now. Travis Green, Travis Boyd, Travis Hamanick, all the Travises. Um,
2: but- to go with the three Tylers.
3: You have to go with the three Tylers and then all the other Jays on the team, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it's JT mm-hmm. Miller or Jace Harlock, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but look, you know, here we are, what, less than three weeks out to the trade deadline. And, you know, they've done such a wonderful job of keeping their head above water. But, man, oh, man, the, the, the injuries that pile up. And, and last night, pair, you know, The one-two veteran punch of Horvat and Edler, just an off night, right? You look in that first period, you know, there's a mix-up there. Off the draw in the offensive zone, Edler tries to pinch. Wheeler gets by, off to the races and makes a nice play to fool, um, you know, Thatcher Demko. There was essentially the game winner in the first period, and that's all really the Jets needed last night. And then obviously the third period with the shot that goes off the foot of Bo Horvat, um, I, I will say this from a jet standpoint, we'll be joined by Scott Oak momentarily. The 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 demise of Blake Wheeler has certainly been premature. You know, at the beginning of the season there was a lot of criticism for uh, for Blake Wheeler out of Winnipeg and you know, I kinda looked at that contract last year, pair, and his numbers were down offensively. Man, that guy still brings a ton of compete. You know, he brings a lot offensively, still tenacious in his own end. The demise of Blake Wheeler, like that contract may be problematic in another couple of years, but, man, he's still, he's still a force out there for Winnipeg.
2: I, I like that hockey team, and, you know, they hadn't lost two in a row until they came here to Vancouver, and they weren't really panicking, but they're just so deep, and, you know, they haven't been that team. When have we talked about how sexy the Jets are, and they're unbeatable? We've had that with the Oilers. We've gotten that with Toronto. We've talked about that with Montreal, and there's just Winnipeg just consistently hanging around in Winnipeg. You're never going to get a whole bunch of respect, but there was such expectations on this team two, three years ago. They have the Shifley injury, I think essentially in the first minute or two of the bubble in the summertime, and now they're getting back together. And, uh, you know, that's a hockey team that is built to go on a little bit of a run and, and they really haven't. They just have been super consistent. And I know you, you've thought maybe they're not the team. I think they're a team that's going to push for the top spot. Uh, before they're done, and it's just consistency. And They did nothing special yesterday, but they were just all good, and they get it from four lines.
3: All I know is your handsome co-host had them in the North Division playoffs uh, when we were picking teams, and not a lot of people. Man, I feel like a lot of people slept on the Jets uh, going into this season. Let's bring in Scott O from Hockey Night in Canada, the unofficial mayor of Winnipeg here uh, who joined (laughs) us here. Scott, good morning, sir.
4: Yeah, you know, I – I don't really want to run, but I may have to.
3: <laughs> obviously, obviously. I mean, hey, look, if Thomas Steen can get in as a counselor a few years ago, I mean, I feel like you're a shoe in for politics yeah. here in Winnipeg.
4: Uh, Thomas Steen always said that was the most fun he's ever had in his life. <laughs> really? He did, a, did a not, a, not a bad job. Unfortunately, he lost in the last election. So.
2: Well, Scott, you know, you might have just heard that conversation. Winnipeg Jets are never the sexy, oh, the Oilers, the Leafs, the Havs. Then there's Winnipeg. There's a consistency to this hockey team that must have the faithful in that city. think, like, you know, just maybe. Because there's not a lot of holes with this team right now. Do you see it that way?
4: I do. Um, I agree with you in that the Jets were probably not a popular pick of a lot of experts to uh, be in contention to win the North, uh, and that's where they are now. Uh, they're they're a very deep team, certainly at forward. Uh, but uh, with Connor Halibuck playing, you know, Vezina-type hockey, they've always got a chance, and that's uh, been the key to their success this season. It's been duly noted that they're uh, still in the habit of giving up a lot of high-danger danger chances more than the other team, and then relying on Halibuk to win. But I, uh, I go back to what Kelly Rudy has always said: you don't have to apologize for having a good goaltender, and the Jets needn't do that in the case of Halibuk.
3: That's, I mean, <laughs> that was on display. It's funny. You talk about the high danger scoring chances. Like, the, I don't know if it's just to keep themselves engaged in the game or what, but they they seem to control the game at various points. And then all of a sudden, it's just this. Whoa, here here we go. And it's it's just an ongoing trend. Like, does this speak to maybe the one question mark everybody talks about the Jets is is their blue line? But I don't know if it's as bad as as some people have tried to make it out to be.
4: People predicted disaster, doom and disaster yeah. uh, went at the start of last season. They lost, what, four guys off their blue line? And uh, the situation was really, uh, in, the, in the minds of a lot of people, it was critical when Dustin Bufflin uh, declared on the eve of uh, the season opener that he, he didn't want to play. He couldn't play because of that controversial injury. And, uh, you know, we all know where that led. But then the trade for Neil Pionk uh, from the Rangers uh, in exchange for Jacob Truba. Uh, a lot of people thought, well, that's a disaster as well, because we're not getting back equal value. But Pionk has certainly proven that that trade has worked in the favor of the Jets, given uh, the struggles of the Rangers and Trouba uh, in New York and how well he's played uh, for the Jets. So uh, the short answer to the question is the Jets blue line is, I think, at times sorely underrated. But that said, there uh, there still is a, a notion that uh, Kevin Chevaldeoff might try to execute a trade for a stalwart blue liner either before or at the deadline.
2: Scott Oak joining us from Hockey Night in Canada on the starting lineup: Perry Silkowski, James Zabalski. Scott, obviously, this year has changed a lot for commentators and not much travel. You have spent an awful lot of time in Vancouver over the years and gotten to know this hockey team. What's your take from Manitoba as to what's happened on the West Coast?
4: Well, first of all, I, uh, you know, I unlike every other commentator, most commentators uh, in our business are trying not to travel, so I'm not spending any time anywhere other than Winnipeg mm-hmm. right now. Uh, so, you know, my view is certainly from afar. Uh, but, you know, the, the Canucks, I thought, in the last month uh, were magnificent. Uh, you know, an 8-2-1 uh, and one run in March, largely because of bubble Demko. Uh, you know, he got back to playing out of his mind the way that he did in the bubble in Edmonton. Um, but I think everybody agrees that's not... Uh, sustainable, uh, not a not a long range winning formula, and you know, complicate it now by injuries with uh, with uh, out, Who knows when he's going to be back? Uh, and, and if the news today on Bo Horvat is not good, it's very difficult to imagine that the Canucks can uh, can stay in the playoff race.
3: Are Are you surprised? I mean, you, you've kind of had a chance to really watch Connor Hellebuck uh, evolve the way he has over the last few years in Winnipeg. Do, do you see at all a a, a similar pattern with what thatcher demko has been kind of doing since well the rise of bubble demko last summer and now to what he's kind of been doing for the last what six weeks here
4: yeah well there are similar situations we've referred to the high danger chances that a lot of people dine out on when they uh describe you know how the jets are winning largely because of Connor halibut on a lot of nights and uh, yeah, that's uh, I think accurately uh, a description of how the Canucks got through the month of March uh, with uh, and with a winning record. It was what seven one and one, I think, heading into last night's game against the Jets. Eight two and one overall in March. So um, again, uh, fire wagon hockey. Hope your goaltender can can rescue you. And that certainly was the key to the success of uh, of, the Je- of the Canucks for this month.
2: Uh, what's the surprise for you in this North Division? is is it is it the the lack of success maybe that the Calgary flames have had after what for living did? yeah,
4: the flames are a bit of a puzzle um but really, when you think about about it, not uh not a great deal of surprises. I mean everybody thought the Leafs were poised to do well, and they have been despite the fact they haven't had a great month of March, but they're still in first place. Um, the Oilers and the commitment to defense by McDavid and Drysaddle, I suppose, uh, shouldn't really be a surprise. But that's been um, the key to their success and the reason that they're contending for first place. Um, I think everybody expected Ottawa to struggle as they have. Uh, you know, Montreal still in the playoff race. So essentially, I think the uh, the North Division has unfolded the way that a lot of people thought it would. With you're right, Perry, the possible exception of the struggle of the Calgary Flames, who are going to be hard-pressed now to stay in the playoff race, it seems.
3: You uh, you know, before, I want to kind of get back to your situation in a moment here, but the buzz around Toronto right now with the Leafs, and here we are less than three weeks away from the deadline, Scott, is do they consider going out and making a move on a goaltender and cut bait on Freddie where, you know, the senses. You know what it's jack campbell's time to shine now like this is his mm-hmm. opportunity like, how do you how do you see the leafs approaching this goaltending scenario I, I can't imagine them making a move for another goalie and trying to cut bait on anderson here but how do you forecast stuff
4: i don't i don't see it either uh james i mean um yeah jack campbell is the shiny new toy in Toronto right now and uh, people have been predicting the demise of freddie anderson for a while but Trades are so difficult now. I don't know what it's going to be like at the deadline or even heading
0: uh,
4: into it because they're up to it. Because you know there've been six trades I think in all of the NHL this season. Uh, the quarantine and the flat cap um, make trades extraordinarily hard. I mean, the Jets got uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois from Columbus, but it was three weeks before he could play for them, and he and he was in less than 100 percent shape when he finally did and injured himself in the third game back. I think um, so. A lot of GMs are going to be very wary over making trades, and uh, what goaltender could the Leafs acquire from the North Division that could help them? Because uh, that's the only way they'd get a goaltender who wouldn't have to quarantine. So um, I, I don't, uh, I don't see it happening.
2: Last night was the first time we had a game in Canada postponed. Um, are you surprised that the, it has been the success so far in the NHL that it has, especially up north? Not the same. Not the same in the States with Dallas and Nashville with their issues that we've got this far without having to see a game like last night with the Habs and the Oilers canceled.
4: Uh, There was a time in February, I think it was early February when it looked like the league might even have to take a pause with so many games postponed Mm -hmm. and so many players on the COVID protocol list in the U S but they they were able to avoid that. Meanwhile, in Canada, uh, games proceeded uh, as scheduled. Uh, minimal players, I, I think one or two here and there on the COVID list, COVID protocol list. So last night, uh, yeah, it, it defies the, uh, uh, the pattern that's occurred to this point. Um, protocols in Canada are much stricter, of course, than they are in a lot of places in the U.S., and uh, I think that accounts for how we've been able to get this far with only one postponement. Uh, but to have a postponement in the midst of all that's going on, you know, to have only one, not a great surprise. I hope that uh, they can keep it to just that one. though.
3: I, I just was kind of surprised, you know, when you kind of get a better understanding of the COVID protocol for the NHL. Like, here are the Canucks. as completely exposed, what, 48 hours prior, and they're playing a game last night against the Jets where – they all got tested going into the arena yesterday, but they don't have the results back. Like what happens if somebody somebody gets a result back? Like you know what I mean? Like you have a, a team that could ultimately like the Canucks could con-, con it's conceivable that they could compromise the Jets who could so on and so on and so on here. It it does seem a little odd that uh even the Canucks game was able to get off because they didn't have any results last night.
4: Well, is that the case though? They must have had uh, scientific reason to conti- to not postpone the game. I know in the East of course they they had two players what, go on the protocol list uh but not enough time to do contact tracing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was yeah
3: and, th- and I think that was yeah. the thing It was it was the timing yeah. of trying yeah. to get, you know, with the whole contact tracing uh you know yeah. between last night and and from when, you know, ultimately, you know, the announcement kind of came down with Armia and Kotkaniemi. Yeah.
4: I can't imagine Uh, that they would have proceeded with the uh, Canuck-Winnipeg game last night uh, if it flew in the face of scientific evidence. Yeah, yeah, no, I I hear
3: you. But
2: it did seem a little odd. Uh, Scott, give us the answer to this question, which has been about our text line and everybody wondering. Do you think Jim Benning is running the show here in the summertime?
7: Uh,
4: I don't know, honestly. I mean, you know, the... (laughs) The Canucks and he in particular have been under a lot of heat at times this year. And now it's going to be, uh, you know, heating up again, heading into the trade deadline. Um, you know, have have the Canucks as a result of playing without, uh, well, stripped of all their centers from opening night now because of injury and without Pedersen and Horvat, uh, you know, have they, are they left with no choice to, but to become sellers uh, heading up to and at the deadline, um, Difficult questions to answer. Well, I don't think that's a difficult question to answer. I think the choice there is logical. But it will depend on what uh, Jim Benning is able to do, I, I guess, heading into the deadline and uh, how this team shapes up for next year. That's a very blasé uh, answer, I well, know. But, uh, but <laughs> it's but you're a difficult right. situation to read.
2: No, and it is. And you wonder how much you put into this shortened season where you really didn't have control over how hard your players were training. They were so bad for the first two months of the season, dig that hole, but then they've been so good for the last five or six weeks. And now I, I just think, is it fair to assess them as injured as they can be? And maybe Jim Benning gets a get-out-of-jail-free card because it's tough to say, uh, all right, I mean, how do we judge this? I mean, it's your hesitation to answer is, I think, what a lot of people are feeling. Is it, is yeah. it a fait complete? He's done, or does he stick around?
4: Well, as had reported uh on the weekend on Hockey Night in Canada, it looked like the Canucks were ready to, you know, not stand pat, but take a pause and not be too active heading up to the deadline because they they played so well. Uh, but um, surely they have reason to reconsider that after uh, Bo Horvat's injury last night, if it turns out to be long-term, and, uh, you know, how they've just been decimated by injuries in the last couple of weeks.
3: Uh, Scott Oak here on Sportsnet 650. You know, you, you look at what you've done over the years and, you know, I've always really admired the way that you can connect with athletes, you know, especially in the moment after a game and how you've kind of taken after hours over the years and, and made it your own. And you think of all those interviews with you and Louis DeBrusque over the years, kind of and, and really kind of disarming those athletes and those hockey personalities. And, and obviously it's so much different, like you said, doing, doing things in a virtual world. Have you found it hard to try to get that connection, you know, when you're basically just talking to someone from a, from a headset to a microphone where, you know, you don't have that physical interaction where you can kind of read off somebody's body language.
4: Well, I wouldn't say it's hard. I would say it's impossible. That's the best way to describe (laughs) Mm -hmm. it. I mean, we're, we're making, and the NHL is making the best of a bad situation, but, uh, when you can't go into a room and sit down and chat with somebody and get a couple of anecdotes that you could use during the game or, or, uh, in, in my case, um, I search for those things, uh, so that we can use them on after hours, uh, that avenue is just not open to us right now. And I understand why it's not. I hope that we can get back to normal. We can get back to covering the games the way we always have. But for the time being, I could honestly do just about everything from my kitchen table. Um, you know, when I'm, if I'm doing a game, this is how it works. Uh, I would uh, I wouldn't go to practice on Friday, but I would uh, or Thursday, but days leading up to the game on Saturday night. But I would certainly um, join the Zoom sessions to hear what the players and coaches have to say. Um, might go to practice on the morning of the game, see if I can get the line straightened out. But then again, I don't really have to do that because I can do that uh, virtually as well. And uh, go to the rink for the game. So it's a very antiseptic approach to, uh, to, to broadcasting right now. It's not one that, uh, that I really like. I don't think anyone doing uh, anything close to my job likes it, but you know, we're making the best of it, as I say, and hope that uh, you know, this will end soon.
2: Scott, we appreciate you uh, giving us 15 minutes from your kitchen table this morning. Um, <laughs> that's, that's where good. I am. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, nice to catch up. Stay safe.
4: Thank you, boys. Take care.
3: Scott Oak uh, from Hockey Night in Canada uh, joining us here this morning on Sportsnet 650. Do you not, do you not think it's in some respects – as as fun and as wild a ride it was, even kind of in a relatively shut down and muted bubble p- return to play last year, that the Canucks getting to Game 7 against the Golden Knights has created a false sense of expectation in this market.
2: For sure it has. I mean, let's go back. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember a lot of dates, but I remember that November ninth interview with Chris Higgins, part of the Canucks organization that said, "Well, we're we're going to see if we were a fraud or not." And, and not that what they did, they they did it in August. They did it against some good hockey teams in that playoff bubble. But the expectations for this hockey team went through the roof, and, and I just don't know if that was realistic. But you know, Travis Green using the word immaturity in the first couple of weeks of the start of this season because. Maybe the players believed in it, and, and you didn't have that regimen because of the situation we're in, uh, you know, in society, where, you, you know, you had to make sure you were doing it on your own. Are you working out hard? You're not skating for a month at, at eight rinks with, with teammates and other NHLers. Um, and I think that's you need to be so disciplined to get it done. And only now and in the last six or seven weeks have we seen a hockey team that's kind of bought into a system and played themselves into shape Uh, but effectively too late um, in the sense that just the numbers don't work for them and now all the injuries. But, yeah, were they overrated? I don't know if overrated, but the expectation by the fans were were a little too high for this team. But, James, you, I, uh, Dan Murphy, who joins us regularly, I think we all said it, it could be a step back this year before you take a couple steps forward. And I do think that's the path they're on. I'm just unsure who's guiding them on that path.
3: Well, I mean, it, it, at times it feels like it's fool's gold. I mean, part of it, just wondering where this team kind of ultimately goes. Look, they they took, they lost, you lost Markstrom, you lost Tanev, you know, the impact on how that impacted the room at the start of this season has been well-documented and trying to figure out from a leadership group. And, you know, this team has found a way to get their heads above water, at least to a degree here over the last month. But, you know, the winning the winning percentage just doesn't feel sustainable. And especially now with the bodies continuing to drop, you know, Pedersen has obviously way longer term than anybody anticipated where, you know, he's essentially missed a quarter of the season. You know, he's missed 10 games now pair like you're talking about, you know, for the overall season, that's at least a fifth of the NHL campaign here in a 56 game season. And, you know, He's missed over a quarter of the season that's already been played so far. We wait to find out where Bo's at in his situation, but um, obviously it looked like a serious one as he limped off the ice last night. All right, 24 minutes after uh, 7 o'clock here on this Tuesday morning. He's Perry Solkowski. I'm James Cebulski. 650-650 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Uh, we're going to play fair or foul in a moment. Get your takes in. Anything goes. No matter how hot your take is, we'll talk about whether it's fair or foul, and we'll do it next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
0: You can tell my feet to hit the This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song. Don't tell my heart.
3: Remember how massive this song was at one time like almost 30 years ago now but man like this song got everybody on the dance floor and I could never understand it
2: <laughs> So I'm I'm working at CBC as as a kid I think I'm 18 and I get a phone call and I answer it and it's hey it's uh hi I'm with Billy Ray Cyrus What? I'm with Billy Ray Cyrus we just want to let you know is be landing at the municipal airport in about 45 minutes time I'm not supposed to tell you this, but he'll be landing. <laughs> You're just trying to pump up the crowd, right? Get it going. You're right, though. I mean, I started grooving. It was massive for Billy. Yeah, it, was, it was okay. Acid wash jeans.
3: Yeah, and then, and, and, and then he follows it up almost 30 years later with Old Town Road. That one, uh, by the way, that, that connects to the song submission from Bobby in the Okanagan this morning on the dunbar Lumber text line at 6.50, 6.50. Uh, James Sobalski, Perry Sokowski here on this Tuesday morning. Let's get Greg Ballack in on the other side of the glass as well as we uh, get rolling for a little fair or foul here on Sportsnet 650. Perry, why don't you uh, why don't you get the party rolling here this morning?
2: Okay, well, uh, we'll do exactly that. Uh, Fair or foul, this rash of injuries might be Jim Benning's get-out-of-jail-free card. What can you expect from a team that could be as injured as seriously as they are? Foul. Foul. No
3: excuses. I'm not using injuries as an excuse for this team.
5: Foul. Every team has injuries. Some worse than others, yes. But it's unpredictable, and I don't think you can use that as, as an excuse if you're a GM.
2: I don't know, guys, man. You don't have your starting forward centers. You're plugging holes with guys. You're bringing off the waiver wire. Yeah, in part, he built it. But you, you wonder if he might get a free pass because of what's going on over the next month. What do you got, fair, James?
3: Fair or foul, the Sabres will match the Houston Rockets' 20-game losing streak that came to an end last night.
5: What are they at now? What, 13, are they? 14. 14?
2: Um... That's foul. That's foul. At some point, they'll win. I mean, if you're a pro hockey player, you're, at some point, something's falling your way. And Buffalo's terrible. Houston's terrible, but they got it after Toronto. I, I think that's foul. Sabres will win one.
5: You know what? I'm going to say fair mm-hmm. because this is a terrible situation for Buffalo. I don't know if you guys saw the highlights. Carter Hutton had a t- like an awful leg injury. It was twisted backwards. He's not coming back for a while. Uh, Linus Olmark is already on injured reserve, and they just traded their third-string goalie to the Colorado Avalanche, so they're running with Dustin Tokarski right now. Yeah, they're going to match that 20-game losing streak. Balak, what do you got? Fair foul. Speaking of goalies, <laughs> a lot of teams are kicking themselves right now for passing on Alex Nedeljkovic when he was on waivers earlier this season. Oh, man. Another shutout last night.
3: That's Fair. That's fair. It's fu- It's funny how it's funny how some guys just slip through the cracks and then they get their time to shine, right? What, what, two and eight starts? Is that what it is this year now?
5: Yep. He's wow. got two shutouts already wow. and every team in the league had a chance to take him. He gets a shutout 25% of the time. And you know there were Canadian teams that thought about it but then said, mm, he's going to have to have a two-week quarantine. Yeah, we'll pass on that. You could have had a starting goaltender. Why didn't anyone take this guy?
2: Uh, Doug and Port Moody, fair or foul, Montreal will win the North Division. That's foul, Doug. I, uh, I didn't even have the Habs making the playoffs. And now who knows what COVID brings on. I mean, we might be scratching the surface to Foley. How long has he hurt? I think it's foul.
3: Uh, I think uh, that was uh, – I, Doug, I loved that pick in January when I had the uh, the Montreal Canadiens, and I took them on a futures bet to win the North now I, I still like him to get into the playoffs, but I'm not taking him to win. Uh, at this point, at this point, I am kissing that uh, futures bet goodbye.
5: I I'm gonna say fair because of one reason.
0: Anything's possible. Anything's possible!
3: <laughs> the gospel of KG. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, all right,
2: guys. That's fair. Foul. Or fa- fair or foul boys. Although he says he's open to it. No NHL team is going to reach out to 41-year-old Patrick Marlowe for a Stanley Cup run this spring.
3: Fair.
5: Yeah, that's fair. He's been on a huge decline the last little while. The, yeah. the Carolina Hurricanes legend, I think his career is almost coming to a close.
3: <laughs> Former Carolina great Patrick Marlowe. Well, you know, the Leafs gave him, what, three years when they signed him going back a few years ago? And uh, I, I think they got out at just the right time. It cost them a lot to get out from under it, but the cliff was steep for Patrick Marlowe. What a wonderful story, though. You know, he was kind of like the mm-hmm. dad for all those Leafs kids, but the cliff was steep. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm surprised seeing him out there. Like, on times that I've watched him this year, it hasn't looked pretty.
2: Yeah, it was time to say goodbye. Jamie and Chilliwack Farrah foul after the Horvat injury last night. Jim Benning should
5: have a big for sale sign hanging from the window. I think we've talked about that's it. fair. It's fair I, that was right? my song. Fair. That was my Canucks in a song. Call me by Blondie.
3: Fair, but I, just but let's keep in mind what what's, what's there. Out, what's out there that people want? Right, you, you can demand changes and you can demand trades to be made, but here's the thing right like there are 31 general managers active right now in the National Hockey League it'll be 32 once Ron Ron Francis is allowed to do his business coming up uh, in the summer but how many how many GMs do you look at as being you know foolish enough to want to take on like the Canucks can only absorb half these contracts. You know, who's touching what the Canucks are offering, right? They're, like, there's this is the stuff that sits on Facebook Marketplace for weeks and weeks and weeks, right? And, oh, it's still for sale, right?
2: Well, that's exactly it. You know, you can have the big sale sign in front of a store, and then you go in and go, there's not much here. Mm-hmm. And, and I just don't know if there's a whole lot here. Uh, fair or foul, guys? Um, Quinn Hughes' next contract will be bigger than Pedersen's.
3: Mm, Foul. I think I think they'll probably be on par, and I think the fact that you've got Pat Brisso as the agent for both, I think they're going to have those two guys lockstep. I think they'll go as I think they'll go together.
5: Yeah, Please I agree with carries. James. That's that's yeah. foul. I think uh, if anything, I think Pedersen has a better chance of making a little bit more than Quinn Hughes does, just based off his longer record. But yeah, it's a foul.
2: Is a D-man more? You know, is a D-man worth more? What else you got, Balak?
5: Fair foul the new lottery rules that were just announced only incentivize tanking more.
2: So here spell those.
3: I, I, you know what I like these I like these rules. I, I think this is fair with the National Hockey League but do it do us a favor here ballot mm-hmm. lay out what the NHL just uh rubber stamped sure. here this morning for people that have missed it.
5: Yeah, there's three changes, three big ones uh, the number of lottery balls pulled from uh, the draw has been reduced from three to two. Starting in 2021. So the last place team, therefore, can't draft any lower than number three overall. I so like the lowest that. you can drop fair. if you're the worst team is three. And the rule change number two was uh, the maximum move up for a lottery winner is limited to 10. So only 11 teams have the possibility of getting that first Still overall. Too pick many teams. Instead okay. of 16. Yeah. Uh, and- that doesn't start till 2022. And then rule change number three was no team. I like to call this the Edmonton Oilers rule. No team can win the draft lottery more than twice in a five year yeah. period. Brian
3: Burke pushed that for mm-hmm. uh, we talked a few times when he was still a sports net analyst. He often said that, you know, you, you got to you, you can't be constantly rewarded year over year. Mm-hmm. I, I like I, it's totally fair. I
5: like it. three, but one and two. I just think more teams are going to tank harder now because they know it's going to be tougher to get that lottery ball.
3: Two is the only yeah. one I don't I don't love. I'm good with that. Uh,
2: fair or foul, Will and Salmon Arm. Fair or foul, Canucks won't see a Stanley Cup in five years. Well, I like your odds for that, Will. Um, I mean, you know what? I'm going to say uh, win a Stanley Cup. I don't know. I, this team is going to be a Stanley Cup contender in in two years. I'm I'm going to go with Benning, whether he's the GM or not. I only think they're a couple years away with the right pieces. They've they've got some decent building blocks here. Will. I'm going to say I'm going to say that's foul, guys. Mm.
3: I'll say fair. Because. Because because oh do I have to I, I, this, you know it's funny this is the same thing I tell my kids with your with their with their writing at school come on you guys have to elaborate exactly um you know what it's because it's been fifty years already <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: they're due <laughs> there's a Play history the I'm gonna say foul because if you want to see the Stanley Cup you just got to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto the Canucks will be there at some point right.
3: <laughs> oh, hollow, hollow. I didn't like your because.
5: fair hey guys, foul. F-
3: hey, here, here you go. Fair or foul? Kyle Lowry will still be a Toronto Raptor on Thursday.
5: Foul. I think he's gone. He was talking about how the team didn't have any compete level last night. He sounded frustrated. I think he's done.
2: I, I, I don't know how you cut ties with him. I mean, when you're cutting ties with him, you're saying it's all done. Thank you we've got a ring i think that's fair um unless he wants to i think you need to have some kind of of arm to the success you had and he's still their leader he's just frustrated i think it's fair i think we see a lot of moves but i think kyle Lowry will be there
3: one of the greatest uh, players in Raptors franchise history. The guy, just the heartbeat of that team for this era of Raptors basketball. But it is crazy how, look, I mean, COVID has totally dem- demolished this team's lineup over the last couple of weeks. But this team has lost nine straight. And less than two years ago, they had the biggest parade in the country. It's Crazy.
2: Well, but does it show you how quickly it can change?
3: Yeah, well, it, it right. was absolutely. But I also wonder, like, what can you get back for Kyle Lowry at this stage, right? He's 35 years old as of Thursday. He turns 35 on the day of the deadline. I just, I, I, I think you have to also temper the expectations of what the return's going to be. Masai Ujiri has made some wonderful moves as executive with the Raptors, but just don't know how much of a ceiling. You've got interested parties, so that helps the bidding, but I just don't know what the return is for Kyle Lowry at 35.
2: Guys, fair or foul, Louis Louis Erickson will play 1,000 games in the NHL before his career is done. He's at 977, needs 23 more. You've got an expansion team coming in. Does he get twenty three more NHL games? I say it's fair.
5: Right? cause the Canucks obviously think he's still usable at times. There has to be another team in the league that will see some value in Erickson at a much lower deal than he's on right now, of course.
3: Uh I think it all depends on what happens with the like are the Canucks cutting bait with him next year? Probably not. So I'm gonna say foul. I think Louis is gonna get stuck. I think Travis Green was just shy of a thousand games too, right? I think he just played just I think he 990 or something where tra- uh, Travis had played, but I think he's going to just miss out. So Louis not getting a thousand.
2: I I think it's I think it's fair. I just I think at some point he will play in this league for a million dollars and just mm-hmm. want to hang on and play. Won't be he won't get to a thousand with the Canucks, but but, but do, okay so so, games.
3: so do you think that Louis Erickson at thirty six will be bought out this summer by the Canucks? For that to uh, happen, you could because no. for that to happen for Louis to play at a million dollars, you're talking about him coming back in the 22-23 season when he's essentially 38 thirty eight years old.
2: No, do and that. I'm saying I'm saying he may be that guy. I, I would have thought he would have left now. This guy must like his money. And I think he is going to play and say, hey, I'll play for a million dollars. And a million dollars, Lou Erickson could get you 15, 20 games on a fourth line. And I believe he's comfortable with that. So he may get those 23 games in somewhere in the NHL. He won't get them here in Vancouver.
3: Going to Utica next year, I think.
2: And he'll go happily somehow. That's, that's what's crazy about it.
3: All right, 7.43 here on this uh, Tuesday morning. Your Canucks commute coming up at the top of the hour. Dan Murphy will drop on by and weigh in with his thoughts and uh, see if there's any updates on uh, the latest injuries to the Vancouver Canucks. Bo Horvat going down, and it didn't look good. You got it locked in here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.
5: Let the bodies hit the floor.
0: Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the (laughs) floor. This is the starting lineup with James Cebulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Here's your Canucks in a song.
3: Ah, uh, they can't find it. There's with so many people jumping in on the Dump Lumber text line this morning at 650-650. I, I Shout out to whoever submit, who submitted this one, which seems so apropos. Let the bodies hit the floor with respect to uh, your Canucks in a song this morning as Bo Orvat, the latest, uh, to go down last night. And, uh, man, I I don't know if I've ever seen a scenario with a team pair that at the same time was without their first, second, third, and fourth line centers all simultaneously. You know, somebody made a great point last night about this is very uh, reminiscent of the time when Naslin and castles both went out at the same time back in 2001, about 20 years ago, when the Canucks were pushing for a playoff spot, um, ending the five-year drought. But yeah, Horvat going down last night—like, of course, Bo Horvat would go down last night.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, there was someone who texted, might have been uh, Leafhater Steve, saying the Canucks are so good at blocking shots; they're now blocking their own. If I remember correctly, when Dave Nonis was fired. Not that it was a massive surprise, but it was a year that the injuries had just absolutely piled up, and you kind of thought, you know, you really never did have your team together to see what it could do. Um, You know, the good on this team is they battled through without Petey. J.T. Miller steps up, and J.T. Miller last night going, well, next man up, and you're going, okay, who exactly is that next man? Like, is Cole Lynn, who's moved from the wing to play center, he's up here with a broken nose. Is he going to get that opportunity? Travis Boyd will be available next week. And that's the one thing, you know, when we were talking to Scott Oak when we were talking about how how difficult and strange it is to do our jobs and not being able to talk to players with no cameras, no microphones, and get a sense of things. James, I, I wasn't big on it when it happened last year. I'm not big on it now, and I think fans should be a little choked. I think it would be nice to know what Jay Beagle's injury is and when he might be back, and it could be tomorrow. What is Petey battling when he could be back? You want fans associated with your game, and they want to know. The fact that you can hide behind, we're not sure, he's going to be gone for a while. Now, To me, that's not the pro sports I want to deal with. I want to understand. I know LeBron's gone for several weeks because of that high ankle sprain, but I don't actually know exactly what's wrong with Petey unless someone's giving you intel. I'd rather have the NHL step up Be honest with your fan base. You're getting into gambling. Tell us what's wrong with the players and give us an expected timeline as to how long they're out.
3: I don't don't disagree with the lack of transparency. Uh, But, I mean, look, I mean, blame the players as much as you want to blame the league, though, right? Because this is something that they negotiated, um, you know, with COVID protocol and the CBA and the return to play. You know, this was all part and parcel, right? And so... The fact that there is just absolutely zero transparency for the most part when it comes to dealing with injuries, especially it feels like especially on this side of the border with Canadian teams more so than, than American teams. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, gambling is coming, right? Gambling is just around the corner, and I, I would assume that there will have to be way more transparency and you'll have to see something more lockstep to what the National Football League does, right? providing their detailed injury reports and putting everybody on the list, right? Who's probable? Who's questionable? Who's doubtful? Who's out? I mean, if, if that's what you're looking for, you're probably at least another year or two away, I'm going to assume, uh, before that becomes, uh, you know, once, once the NHL starts getting that piece of the pie, then ultimately that's when you'll start to see the transparency.
2: Yeah, I I just think it's the frustration. You you know, you know, Bo Bo Horvat's got an ankle injury. Is it? You know, is he fractured his ankle? Who knows what the situation. But
3: but, but tell me this though, Pear, you don't think other general managers around the league know, right? You're gonna have to have some form of transparency for sure. You know, letting if if you've got a player that you're looking to try to move, I'm sure it's abundantly clear. You know what what the severity is because you're going to have to sh- guys are going to have to pass a physical, right? They're going to have to have some sort of detailed medical history to say, "Okay, hey, look, before we pull the trigger, uh let's see what's under the hood here," right?
2: Every team knows, James, but if you're coming back to play for your fans, if it's always about the fans, we miss our lovely fans. Yeah, we're not going to tell you what your star player's problem is. So, uh, you know, you know, to me it's a little bit of a hypocrite, right? Every, every team knows, right? I'm sure every player has an idea, yeah, here's the situation. But why are you hiding it from your fan base and from the media to say, here's what Petey's been battling? You know, the old, well, they're going to go after him if they find out it's the left shoulder. Hey, they'll know. People will know, even though the fans don't know. Just I, I just miss the transparency, and maybe it's the fact that we we don't know because a lot of times even the insiders will go, here's eventually what it is. But why not be transparent today and say, here's what's up with Bo Horvat? Petey's still out. Hopefully we'll have him back next week. I don't think it's that difficult to do. I think they owe it to the fans to say, hey, you can't come into the building. So the least we're going to do is tell you exactly what's going on with the players that you're cheering for.
3: Six minutes to eight o'clock. Your Canucks commute uh, is coming up just around the corner. We'll dive into much more on this. uh, The trade rumors uh, floating around Jake for 10 and uh, that I'm hearing this morning. We'll get to more of that. And Dan Murphy will drop on by as well with his thoughts. It's all coming up. 6.50, 6.50, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always welcome your thoughts as well. And, Looks like, uh, yeah, a lot, lot of people all over it this morning as well. We'll get to some of that next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's Sportsnet 650.
0: A cup of Joe and
4: the Canuck commute. I thought our team played their asses off tonight. You know, it wasn't a mistake-free game. You know, it's one nothing going to the third period. We hit, I don't know if it was three posts or, or, or what it was in the third period. But,
0: you know, it was a tighter game than a 4 nothing game It felt like A five-star morning on the starting lineup.
3: Eight o'clock. Well, you know what? I mean, they were in it. I don't know if the score really reflected what we saw last night, but there were all sorts of chances, just nothing with finish, right? I mean, Zach McEwen kind of were, uh, Zach McEwen's stick where offense goes to die in some respects, (laughs) a couple of great chances uh, last night. But after one I mean, pair, I will say this, like I like Zach McEwen's hustle, but man, you make a move like that and you get in close and then you just hammer it right into the chest of Connor Hellebuck, like <laughs> product placement, right? You got to pick your spots a little bit better
2: there. It's, it's always interesting to hear from Travis Green post game well, Okay. Is he spinning this? Listen, he's not wrong. It was a one nothing hockey game, um, but they weren't creating a whole bunch of chances. Their, their best chances, you're right, came off the stick of Zach McEwen. I think Holglander could have been better around the net. He had a couple of good opportunities when he wasn't ready for it, but that's it. You know, a lot of texts coming in this morning, and there was one I'm trying to find now. I believe it was uh, 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 not Brandon, but someone was talking about the power play, and uh, it, it makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, Mike in Maple Ridge found it. Yeah, boys, they're missing some top players. They played a good team yesterday. Yeah, yeah, goalposts. But the power play, seriously, they need to change it up. Someone knows how to run a power play. Listen, this power play has been hot and cold, but he's right. Last night, you got a couple power play opportunities. You don't even get a shot. That first power play unit, I think they just feel all the pressure that they have to score. So they stay on the ice for essentially a buck forty-five of it. It doesn't work. And now with no bull Horvat, it's not going to get any better for this power play. And let's face it, this team was a team that, you know, get some big saves, get some good goaltending, play tight defensively, and then if you get a chance on special teams. You have to make that opportunity count. Their power play hasn't been good for the last week or two, and I can't see it getting better. And you can point to number 40, and now number 53 not bearing. There's probably the biggest reason.
3: No, uh, an off night for both uh, the one-two punch dynamic of Alex Edler and Bo Uh, You know, you look at the the offensive zone face-off that Edler tries to pinch on, and then Wheeler puts it in the back of the net. And uh, and then in the third period, obviously, uh, the shot from Edler going off Bo Horvat's foot and, There's the captain limping off to the ice and don't know the extent of that injury. But, you know, the Canucks did add another body yesterday as well, Pair. Uh, We should mention that this hour, the starting lineup presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Uh, But the Canucks plucking another member of the Toronto Maple Leafs off the waiver wire as Travis Boyd was snapped up uh, literally as we got off the show yesterday. Um, Travis Boyd now uh, following the uh, store, same path as Jimmy Vesey uh, minus the commute uh, from Toronto to Ottawa and then to Montreal Um, and Boyd could be available possibly uh, tomorrow night. We'll talk to Dan Murphy about that coming up uh, in just a few minutes from now, but here's what Travis Green had to say on the newest member of the Canucks organization.
4: I'm not quite sure if he's getting in today or tomorrow. Obviously, sooner the better with uh, quarantine. Uh, He's a player that's a smart player, can play center or wing. Obviously, he was in an organization in Washington where he had a lot of good players ahead of him. Uh, Looking forward to, to seeing him here
3: you know he brings some speed and i think any time you got somebody in the lineup that can bring speed in today's nhl i think that's a welcome addition um he did contribute with some scoring but you know the book that i've got from from one nhl scout talking to him yesterday is that you know he is uh, an average defender at best so it ultimately is where does he fit in look i don't think i don't think he is um uh, changing the landscape for this team but i think what it does provide is you can find players with value at decent price points in your bottom six pair. And I think that's what so many people in this fan base want to see going forward, right? You're going to have some financial flexibility here uh, starting this summer, but then more so in the summer of 2022. And as opposed to having a glut of players making three, $4 million in the bottom six, you know, finding guys, you know, VC and Boyd cost a combined $1.6 million. Like, think about that. $1.6 million for two of those guys that could conceivably be in the lineup here in the next couple of games.
2: James, it's it's the market. When did you need to purchase your bottom six guys? And what were you getting them for? Well, we're getting to help out some guys up top because they don't have any experience. So right now, I love both moves made. You're taking full advantage of the Leafs who've got too much money and they've got to clear some cap and they've got some really good players who can attract it because people say, hey, I'll go to the Leafs. That's a good hockey team. You know, it's been a long time since you've had that conversation about Vancouver, and then when they chuck them to the side and hope you can get a guy through waivers, there's Jim Benny going, that guy will make my team better, and he would fit better on a bottom six role with that salary. Maybe we can negotiate something down the road. But it's like a conversation people have here in Vancouver. If you're a homeowner, When would you buy your house? Oh, I bought it 20 years ago. Oh, I don't want to hear how much you paid. Oh, that's dirt cheap, man. I'd pay a quarter of that now, and I can't get in anywhere. So Jim Benning overpaid. Absolutely, because he had to at that point. You couldn't find a Boyd or a VC to come for low numbers to go. Can you fill out the bottom six? No, they thought they were better players at that point. But now you, you grab from the Leafs. You help out. Boyd will be in the lineup as soon as he gets through quarantine, and he'll help them. And I thought VC was good again yesterday. You go... That's a bottom six guy. He's got good speed. He's big enough. That'll work, but unfortunately, and that's Jim Benning's debate. And can he do it? People are sell, sell, sell. Okay, who wants Beagle? Who wants Roselle? You said maybe there's someone who wants Jake Vertanen. Move that money. Create some space. Easy to say. I think very difficult to do for the GM.
3: You know, we'll we'll hear from Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet Hockey Insider, coming up in just a quick moment. Uh, Dan Murphy will join us in a few minutes as well. Uh, you mentioned the Vertanen rumor, so. Here's what I've heard over the last 24 hours with respect to Jake Vertanen and the Canucks possibly making a move here. I'm hearing that the Canucks have talked to the Florida Panthers about a potential fit for a deal involving Jake Vertanen and one of the Panthers' depth defensemen, and specifically that could be Marcus Nutavara. And when you look at the dollars, it's a pretty good comparable. So Nudevara, a seventh-round pick back in 2015 by the Jackets. He's 26 years old. He's got one more year after this as a bottom-pairing defenseman. His, average, his annual average value is $2.7 million. But the actual dollars for next season is $3.3 million. Well, this coincides to what Jake Furtanen's sort of dollars look like, right? His AAV is 2.55 million, but next year, remember, his actual cash is 3.4 million. So Núñez only got nine games in this season. He's actually fallen down on the Florida Panthers depth chart, but this could be a scenario for a fresh start for two guys who've kind of gone off cliffs with their respective clubs, but. That's what I've heard uh, over the last 24 hours, that the Canucks have had a conversation with the Florida Panthers about a possible trade scenario involving one of their depth defensemen. And when you want to try to connect the dots, Marcus Nutavara, uh, with similar dollars and a contract up at the exact same time as Jake vertanen it just might be a fit for both sides to try to cut bait and get a fresh start for two guys.
2: Right-handed defenseman, finished defenseman, so you need that. You know, Jake Furtanen had his opportunities, uh the number is what it is. They paid him the money and it's very similar. You're right. Nudavara had a good run with Columbus, got paid for that after. The numbers were okay, but then hasn't been able to get in there with the Florida Panthers and play regularly. If you move and add some depth on the blue line, I think you got Pod Colson, who by the way, this team won an overtime yesterday. So you think Pod Colson is there a guy there who replaces Jake for 10? And Jake moves farther down the depth chart, easier to fill up in the forward than it is on the blue line. So maybe there is something to that where the Panthers go, we've got a heap of talent, we could use a little more size than a guy who can skate. You know, anytime, if we announce any time in the next two weeks that Jakes for Tannen is traded, that's a win. I, I think it's now a win for this franchise if you can move that contract and get a body that can be an NHL body for you. I don't care who it is, that's a win.
3: Let's hear from Elliot Friedman, uh, who was on our sister station, uh, Sportsnet 960, the fan in Calgary yesterday on where things sit for the Vancouver Canucks right now as we are now less than three weeks to the NHL's trade deadline.
1: The math isn't good for them. Um, you know, th- it just isn't. But their got like, so Saturday night I looked at their forwards. The 12 guys they played forward had 69 goals this year going into that game. Um... Besser and Horvat had 28 of them. So you got 10 guys with 41 and then VC had five in Toronto. So you had nine guys drafted with 36 and they scored four times and they lost in shootout. And so they had a really strong road trip without their best player and really beaten up. And I I think what they're saying is there's two things. Number one, you have to reward that. I understand that fans and media think differently, but your players think a certain way. And they don't want to feel that you're bailing on them when they're competing. Now, if you're bailing on them with a great trade that you just can't say no to, I think they understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, if you're doing it just for, I don't know, a mid round draft pick, you're probably, you're saying, you're not really helping yourself. Now, they, the other thing I think here, and this is a factor, you know, let's just say the Canucks do make a run here. Does it help them? Does it help rebound their, their economics out of the pandemic? And I, and you know, like I will tell you, I've had owners tell me before just the difference in your renewals when you make the playoffs. And like I said, the math is not good for them. The odds are more likely they don't make it than make it. Mm -hmm. But if you don't think owners aren't looking at that right now and saying, you know, do we sell a few extra tickets? Do we do a few extra things because we're in the race? You're kidding yourself. And so I think the kid, like put it this way. I think they've been taking calls on Hamanek, depending on what he wants to do. I think they've been taking some calls on Ben. He has a small, no, uh, no trade list. Um, I think they've been taking calls on Pearson, obviously, before he got hurt. I think they've been taking calls on Sutter. And I think they're just sort of gauging the market. And I think they're still doing that, but I don't think they're going to act. Like, I think they're going to say, we're going to wait before we act just to see how this goes.
3: So there's Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman in terms of where things sit for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, that was a little less than 24 hours ago and, you know, does this, what changes now, if anything, uh, based on, depending on the severity of Bo Horvat's injury. Uh, for more on that, we bring in Sportsnet's Dan Murphy to the conversation. Well, that was a night (laughs) Murph.
6: Yeah. A little thin, little thin, you know, you start the game, at least the morning you start without Pedersen and Beagle, and then you get to the pregame skate and Sutter's gone. And then you get to the third period and horvat has gone. Um, You know, I don't think they played terrible last night. There just wasn't a whole lot there. And, you know, uh, times like this, if if Demko isn't absolutely lights out, and he was very good last night, uh, but if he's not absolutely lights out and Besser or Miller aren't scoring, or, you know, Horvat for that matter in in previous games, uh, this team is having a tough time. Um, And that's been the recipe, this little run they've been on, outstanding goaltending, good special teams, and top end talent delivering. And, you just can't rely on it time and time again, especially with, with the injuries they're dealing with. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I I thought they played all right last night. But, you know, the, the, the difference, the disparity in, in talent with the two rosters uh, at this point with the Jets and the Canucks, is, it's quite telling.
2: I mean, I, I think as we try and find silver linings, that they've got one more hockey game left before a week off. But, Murph, do you think, yeah. you know, is a Beagle, is a Sutter, is a – is a PD back in a week's time? I mean, we were discussing how it's so tough to get information. But do you yeah. think they uh, they get through this one more game and then have some some bodies back by next week? Well, here's the
6: thing, uh, Perry. Let's just say they're completely healthy by next Wednesday. They still have to go fifteen and five down the stretch to make the playoffs.
2: It doesn't right? change. I mean, no, you're you're no. right.
6: You know, it's 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 like I, you know. I don't care if they're fully healthy right now. I don't think the plan at the deadline should change now. I don't think you should ever crater your team and, and, you know, cut the legs out from under your team when they're playing well, and, and, uh, you know, if they're doing everything you're asking of them to try to make a push for the playoffs, but let's be honest here. The the players that are being mentioned in terms of uh, being moved out, um, you know, if your team is healthy, uh, you should be able to sell some of those pieces and still make a push if that was the case, right? Um, You're seeing, like, uh, Pearson, who's hurt now, obviously, too, but... Um, if you're thinking of moving him, well, you just found that you can get Boyd and VC off the waiver wire, waiver wire, right? You can get pieces that match the, the production and the output that Pearson is giving you uh, in other ways. So I, I don't think the deadline approach should change. I just don't know, you know, realistically what they can sell or what they can get for the pieces they have uh, of the guys that are UFAs. You know, Jordy Ben is a is a depth defenseman. Uh, perhaps that would be good for a team that was planning on going on a long run with a low cap hit. You know, Pearson is a capable uh, middle six forward. Uh, again, a nice depth piece for a team that thinks it might have a long playoff run in it. Um, we have no idea if Edlu would wave, but certainly he would garner some attention. But then again, how can teams fit him under uh, this flat cap when a lot of people don't have much money out there? So... I just don't know, you know, what pieces are attractive uh, or if they are attractive, can teams make it work? And if they can make it work, what realistically do the Canucks get back? So I really don't think that the approach had change no matter what happened last night in terms of injuries because it was going to be a stretch no matter what for this team to make the playoffs. And I think you have to look at things realistically. And if you can get some assets or some draft picks, I think absolutely should look at doing that. I just don't think it's going to be very easy to do it uh, in these current circumstances.
3: No, I I, I think that's totally fair. As uh, we are catching up with Dan Murphy this morning here on Sportsnet 650, a Murphy presentation of David L. Young, Dexter Realty. Oh. So, is hockey tape an acceptable return on some of those potential players <laughs> being moved at the deadline, Murphy?
6: You know, I don't, you know, I don't want to disparage these guys, obviously, right? Because I hear I, you,
3: but but honestly, right? like. <laughs> But the cap isn't pretty, right? Like, those cap hits, like, it's hard to expect. Like, like everybody last night, Murph, like, everybody last night on social media felt like, sell, sell, sell. And it's a – sure, it's a great idea. Like, I mean, we can all sit there and say, yes, you're right. But, like, you know, best-case scenario for an injured Tanner Pearson or a best-case scenario – for a a Jay Beagle or an Antoine Roussel, like maybe Travis Hamanick offers some value if he's willing to go, but Jordy Ben plays 12 minutes a night. And like, you know, we've kind of, Hey, he's been better lately, but he plays 12 freaking minutes a night.
6: But these are the pieces that the teams are, they're they're looking at that seventh defenseman. They're looking to add that, Mm -hmm. you know, other forward that could, uh, you know, move into a third line role if they need be right. Uh, No one's, I mean, I'm sure teams are looking for top end talent, but, um, you know, or the Canucks aren't selling those pieces. Uh, I don't think, you know, Beagle and Roussel are even on the table. They both have a year left in their deals, right? No. They're not pending UFAs. Teams aren't looking to take on a bunch of money next year. So um I think probably if you're ranking them in terms of attractiveness, I'd say probably Travis Hammonick is your your most attractive, but mm-hmm. uh you'd have to get him to waive. So uh, you know, I think I, mean, I think in a vacuum if you said to a team uh, would uh, you be interested in a player like Jordy Ben to bolster your blue line uh, for a, a playoff run? They'd say, sure. But at what cost? And can they make it work? Um, so I think the, the Canucks, certainly there are pieces there that teams would take, but I just don't know if you can make the trades work, and I just don't know what you can expect to, the, the return to be at this point. I, I don't think it's going to be very easy to make trades uh, this year, we've, and we've seen in the past, um, you know, this is a franchise that, you know, Benning and before uh, have never really done that well at the deadline in terms of selling. Now, for the, for the most part, over the past couple decades, or Perry, when you were working just before me, this is when the team was starting to get good and they were looking to buy at the deadline. But in the last, mm-hmm. you know, what, five, six seasons where uh, they weren't in a position to really make the playoffs or, you know, kind of bolstering for a playoff run, uh, this hasn't has, uh, been a team that's been very good at selling, or moving unrestricted free agents with the exception of, you know, they moved Burroughs to one year, they moved Hanson to one year, uh, they moved well, Verbata one year. So they have, or sorry, not uh, Verbata, but by um, my uh, blanking, uh, Vanek. Um, so they have made some, but historically this isn't a team that's done that very well.
3: Well, people lost their minds with the, uh, with the Vanek deal at the time three years ago. Remember that, Murph? Which
2: <laughs> well, maybe is the best one ever, Colorado. right?
6: Yeah, and it turned out to, to actually be pretty good. So, yeah. and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you it, like, people lose their minds. They well, you know, you can only get a fourth round pick, well, or fifth round pick. Well, sometimes a fifth round pick turns out to be a player that can play like Adam Gaudet. So, I think that you have to think about these moves if you can make them.
2: Uh, Dan Murphy joining us uh, as uh, we break down what happened with the Canucks. Murph, a lot of people yesterday sell, sell, sell. Play the kids. Play the kids. what kids need to be played here other than Ole Olevi, which we may see in a week or two go, okay, you're playing the rest of the season. And there's really no one out there. Colin?
6: Yeah, I mean, and then is that even realistic, right? I mean,
2: you'd have have to bring him up and you'd have to quarantine for two weeks.
6: So, um, you know, I don't think it is uh, realistic at this point. Um, There aren't really kids. I would like to see, you know, I, I really, if let's just say, um, they realize that maybe we hear later today that Horvat's out with a broken bowl. and I've got no idea if it's the case, but worst case he is. And you realize that you're going to have a real tough time tougher than it was going to be to, to make this push. I, I would like to see Oli, Levy play. I'd like to know what For they sure. have in him. Right. I mean, I, I think this was kind of at the beginning of the season, this was a storyline that people were following because they're like, Hey, can this guy, can he play? Can he be a piece? Um, and he's kind of been displaced by uh, Jordy Ben. Um, so I, I think I would like to see him play uh, a little bit more, but other than that, I mean, um, you know, who really is there? Could you give McHugh an extended run to see what you have in him? I guess so. Uh, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of guys here to play. Maybe you can give Di Pietro some starts down the stretch. I don't know. Um, but yeah,
3: I mean, play the kids. Uh, there's not really any kids here to be played. Murph, when does uh, what about Travis Boyd? Uh when's the earliest uh, he could possibly step into the lineup and save the team?
6: The 31st, I'm guessing, right? Because he okay. arrives uh, today and uh, has to do the one-week quarantine. So I would expect you'd see him in the lineup um, playing next uh, a week Wednesday. I guess that's against Calgary Flames. Okay. So uh, I think you'll probably see him there. And uh, depending what's going on with Bo Horvat, uh, you might see V.C. and uh, – and, Boyd, uh, two waiver-wire pickups playing uh, you know, considerable minutes for this team down the stretch.
2: Uh, Seaball had heard some rumblings of maybe a Jake Furtanen to Florida. I, I think, you know, listen, Jake Furtanen's been offered to everybody probably in the last two years. But I do understand a Florida Panthers team that maybe has exceeded expectation. If they could move someone for similar salary that's not affecting their lineup right now, do you make the move just to finally say goodbye to the Jake Furtanen deal and go... Hey, we'll add depth on the blue line if we can get it, rather than worrying about what we have from Jake up front and knowing that Pat Colson's coming around the corner.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think probably yes. I mean, what was it, maybe a month ago where it was the the Danton Heinen for Jake and it was just the money on the second year that that, uh, Anaheim wasn't really willing to take the full bump of the salary and the Canucks didn't want to retain. So I think if you can get another player uh, that has some term Uh, You know, another uh, player that perhaps has worn out his welcome somewhere else uh, that the Canucks think a fresh start could help. I certainly think that's a move you could make. Um, uh, But again, I mean, as we've seen, you know, the the Canucks were open for business on Jake uh, a while ago and nothing got done. So um, I'd be hesitant. uh, Let's put it this way I wouldn't hold my breath that something's going to get done with Jake.
3: Fair enough. Um, Thanks, Murph. Nice to catch up. And. Stay safe out there, my friend. Uh, quit avoiding the quarantine on your end too. It feels like you're always off these days, buddy. <laughs> feels like I'm always off. Yeah. What do you mean? As I'm in, going to I practice today? I don't know. I don't know. You feel like you, you're just doing it from home on the couch. Just you, you and all those pictures of your dog just chilling out there on the. At the well, there's
6: nothing wrong with that, James.
3: No, there is nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Bye, <laughs> Bye friends. Right, Thanks, There he is. Dan Murphy joining us here on Sportsnet 650, brought to you by David L. Young of Dexter Realty here, there, everywhere. Um, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Always welcome the discussion. Uh, Phone lines are open as well. 604-280-0650, the number to call. 604-280-0650 if you want to jump in. What are your expectations for this team? Right. Like, you know, you can sit there and say sell, sell, sell. But like, what are your real expectations for this team over the next few weeks? Or do you want to continue to see this run, you know, continue to wait, see what's out there right now for this team and whether Dr. Demko can continue to play above and beyond his head like pair Murph just doing the numbers there right now from the math. Right. They basically got to go on a 750 run here in the final 20 games down the stretch to win 15 of 20 games.
2: And here's what I want to hear from everybody, too. Something that Elliot, we played Elliot Friedman's clip that, you know what, you're worried about next year. Owners are worried about next year because of, of where their team is. You're not in a playoff front. Keep pushing forward. I, I don't buy that. I think you're a crazy Canuck fan. You're disappointed, but you haven't been able to see these guys play live for a year. You're going to Rogers Arena as soon as you get that opportunity, whether to boo loudly or to go, okay, man, I missed you. So curious what people have on that. James, one thing I want to mention, too, uh, the mental game in partnership with our friends at Movember is also out right now. And I know what? This last weekend, we finally welcomed spring, and and we're seeing some numbers go up, and and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But, man, we and I have talked about it, the challenges mentally for so many people that are there, and the challenges that we have heard, you know, over the last couple months from athletes, those who we look at as role models, they say, hey, by the way, It's not easy for me either, and Tyler Mott's been a great example of that for the Vancouver Canucks.
3: Well, you know what? Like, the cherry blossoms are starting to pop all across Metro Vancouver right now, and it's a true sign that spring's starting to really kind of hit home. Yesterday was just a gorgeous day, but we're not out of it yet, and and you're right, Pair. I think – a lot of people are still kind of feeling that grind and Tyler Mott along with so many others like Saint Louis Blues, star Ryan O'Reilly, you got Gold Glover from Maple Ridge, Ontario, uh Maple Ridge, B C excuse me, uh Tyler O'Neill, uh as well. Uh so many great athletes that kinda of share their own mental health reflections and kind of letting people know that you're hey you're not the only one the mental game in partnership with movember you can watch the full series now at sportsnet.ca slash the mental game 26 minutes after eight o'clock your texts your calls 604-280-0650 if you want to jump in and grab a line or 650-650 the dunbar lumber text line right here on your home of the Canucks, sportsnet 650 <music>
4: Bucks still in the Los Angeles zone. Good forward checking by Craven. Burry scores in the empty net. The 50th goal of the season for Pavel Burry. Might as well put it in the net and get it over
0: <laughs> Now more of the starting lineup with James Sobolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: Oh, where were you moment for Canucks fans? Pavel Burry hitting uh, number 50 on this day. Back
2: in the day, pair, if you will. Yes. My goodness, the glory days, the glory days of the Canucks when you had Tavo flying around. Will we ever get there again? You know, someone was saying, you know, we talk about the Buffalo Sabers and how terrible they are. You know, it's, it's not been, it feels like forever, but really, you know, it's not been that long for the rebuild to take place here. And I know no one wanted to hear it's a couple years away, but, you know, considering where this team was in 2016, No, I'll take where they are. Just expectations are so much higher because of what we saw in the summer.
3: Uh, This hour, the starting lineup presentation of Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway where you'll find quality and community. Phone lines are open now at 604-280-0650. What's your expectation uh, down the stretch here? in less than three weeks before the NHL trade deadline. James Cebulski, Perry Solkowski with you, 604-280-0650. Dunbar Lumber text line also at 650-650. We go to Jay in Coquitlam. You're here on the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Jay. Good
7: morning, fellas. How are you doing?
3: Excellent.
2: Hey, Jay.
7: Hey, so my expectations is zero, as it has been for the last 50 years. You guys has been rebuilding for 50 years. It's it's an ongoing thing. Like I'm getting tired of it, you know? Like they, they just can't get it. Can't pull the trigger. In my opinion, Pedersen, this is the perfect chance to trade him. Instead of signing him to a big contract, trade him, get yourself a superstar like a Taylor Hall, like an Ovechkin, like a Crosby, like a Malkin.
3: Somebody
0: who's established. Go wait, out and get him.
3: Jay, Jay, you'd rather have Taylor Hall than than Elias Pedersen right now?
0: Yeah, because you can actually body check
2: and hit and play and not fall on the ice and get beat up. Mm. Ederson's a kid. He's a baby, you know? Like, he's small. He's tiny. He's always on the ice. He's always falling. He's got a good shot here and there, but I'd rather have Taylor Hall on my team.
3: All right. Thanks for the call, Jay. Jay Jay coming in hot, man. Coming in with a hot take here at 8.30 this morning. You know
2: what? It's funny, though, because we've had a few people that are – You know, going maybe, maybe Petey's not, you know, as great as we've brought him up to be. He he was like a savior to see what he could do. But I do think there are some fans out there going, seeing how tough this team has played, you know, that maybe there's another guy. And we talked about, you know, Petey and Jack Eichel. Would you make a deal like that? I I wouldn't think so. But, I mean, Jay, I'd also say, I mean, to say there's no expectations of this team, I don't think you're a real fan. I mean, you, you may be soured by what you see, but the expectation should be, yeah, you know what, I want this team to do this and that, but you've had a couple people, whether they're just frustrated, that have kind of gone off on Quinn Hughes and Petey a couple times today. I, listen, they're the cornerstones of this team. You're going to be sticking with those guys. Uh,
3: Jay and Coquitlam's getting ratioed right now on the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Minor Matt in Abbotsford, uh, are you on bath salts, Jay? Um, <laughs> another text coming in. That was the dumbest call I've ever heard. Jay, I appreciate the fearlessness, though. I appreciate you. Like, I do think, Pear, that – and I've wondered this, you know, has this market at times overrated, Petey? Like, look, he's a really good player. And I guess you wonder what the ceiling is for him because I think the jury's still out, right? Um, you know, offensively, look, he had a tough start to the season. Um and he was kind of back on track to being close to a point of game player here before he went down over probably about a, a stretch of a month but can he carry a franchise like can you put him in the same sort of conversation as a mcdavid dare i say a drysdale is he a shifley is he a nathan mckinnon is can he can he do that i i think that i don't i don't I, at this point no but I think everybody's curious to see what the ceiling will be, but the notion that he's going to get $9 million a year and sort of that conversation, I do don't—I th- think we can all pump the brakes on that. Let's go to Victor in Vancouver who's on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Victor. Oh, Victor, Hello, Victor. Uh, we'll try to see if we can reconnect. 604-280-0650 is the number to call. Uh, sorry, who's in Coquitlam there, Greg? Gord. Gord,
0: good morning. Hi, hi. Just a uh, quick comment. You didn't think that Pedersen for Jack Eichel would be a good deal. I don't know if that would be a bad one. Uh, only because I mean Jichel, I mean Eichel's only he's only a couple years older, but he's about fifteen pounds heavier and tougher. Um, you wouldn't think that would be a good swap.
2: I'm a little no, curious because he didn't Yeah. I, I didn't say thanks for the call. No, I didn't say it's a bad swap, but it's a curious one, right? There's a lot of people who like Jack Eichel. And I think there are some people that wonder with PD now that we have this injury, we don't know how, how it's disclosed. Does he need to get bigger? He certainly didn't like that question when he returned from training camp. going, really, are we still there? Yeah, you're still going to be there because this is a very physical game. And, and sometimes players get hurt. But, you know, no one wants Taylor Hall. But Jack Eichel? I think that's actually a conversation. People in Vancouver won't like it. But... A hockey player, a hockey GM to sit down and go Eichel for Petey straight up, that can't make – your decision can't be made on that rather quickly. Jack Eichel's got a lot of upside, and he's he's proving he can do it, just doesn't have a whole lot around him to get it done. Uh,
3: what well, Jack Eichel has shown that he's got a much higher ceiling at this point over Elias Pettersson, right? What I don't like and, – and here's where I wouldn't take Eichel for Petey at least straight up, um, and I would keep Petey – now, would I consider moving Bo for Eichel? Well, if you can make the dollars work and, and figure it all out, I would consider that. My only concern is this with Jack Eichel, as, as talented as he is. At some point, you got to win, right? At some point, you got to help make your team better. And if you're as good a player as that, you know, and you're a $10 million a year player, and your team is just absolutely walloped year over year over year, that's where I'm uh, That's where I'm a little hesitant on that one. Uh, I think we've reconnected with Victor in Vancouver. Victor, are you there this time?
7: I am here, guys. All How's right.
3: Good way? morning. You don't you. have anything as crazy as Jay and Coquitlam this morning, right?
7: Oh, I don't know. I think Pedersen for McDavid. That sounds like a good deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
3: sure. Okay. I'll give you that um, one. Yeah.
7: Yeah. I'm no, just curious. Uh, I mean, last year, um, around before the pandemic started, um, the cuts were like, I guess 72 points. So they were like outside looking in for a playoff spot last year, yeah. I think that was. So it's sort of similar this year where they're outside and looking for a playoff spot. And then all of a sudden the injuries started happening with uh, Markstrom got hurt and everyone got worried about Markstrom and where the Canucks were to go. Um, I'm just curious, uh, you know, who, you know, if they do get rid of Holpe down the road uh, for Seattle, like who would, who would come up, um, as a backup, if they decide to uh, let go of Holpi and keep Demko, just curious.
2: Well, I think you can you can find yourself a quality goalie if you believe Thatcher Demko is your guy, and I think he is. Uh, you know, if they could, I, I would suggest if they could move a Braden Holpie and that contract wasn't there for four plus, you would find a guy who could back up for a, for a million and a half and be suitable. Because now that's the one thing that it seems that we've learned. We don't know about Ole Olevi. But I think when this season is done, the Canucks management, whoever it may be, will look and go, Thatcher Demko's the number one goalie in the NHL. He can carry, you know, 75% of the of, of what we're going to see as far as the schedule now, and we're not going to worry so much about who our backup is. They didn't know that going into the season.
3: You needed insulation. You needed insulation at the time yep. um, uh, with Braden Hopi last year. I had no qualms with that signing, and I'd say overwhelmingly people were okay with that move. Now, all of a sudden, we can nitpick it because of the rise of Thatcher Demko, but you know, be curious to see what that looks like in a year from now. In fact, you know, depending on where they go with Thatcher Demco next year from a contract standpoint, you might be looking at a Holtby number that might be ballpark. You know, it is funny, though, Pear. I, I heard Elliot Friedman talking about this this week, and there's been a lot of suggestions about what the Leafs might do with their goaltending situation before the trade deadline. And, you know, would you consider moving out on, on Freddie Anderson? And Braden Holtby's name came up as a possible scenario because you don't have to worry about a two-week quarantine but would Braden Holtby be an upgrade at that position if you were to ship Freddie Anderson out? I would say at this point, no, right? Well, Based on you, how you, uh, Bra- how Braden Holtby's played this last year, not so much. Yeah, and
2: no, I didn't think he was terrible on Saturday, but you're paying for a resume, right? You're paying for a vest in the Stanley Cup to go, hey, he's done it, right? And that's why he's making $4 million, but... Uh, if Thatcher Demko the guy, the next guy backing up Thatcher Demko is not making $4 million. You're going to see, like most teams, somebody in there for a million, a million and a half ago. He's getting the job done when we need him every once in a while.
3: Okay. Oh, man, the Dunbar Lumber text line is on fire right now, by the way. Jay and Coquitlam. Jay, I love the fact that you called, man. And please don't ever be dissuaded, but... Man, uh, Jay has no idea what he's talking about, Rick and Richmond. Jay is an idiot. Man, someone's boozing hard at 830 in the morning. Ha-ha, what a call, Jay. Jay needs to lay off the crack. Okay, Uh, let's not
2: rip on Jay. (laughs) Jay Jay was good enough, had the courage to call. He's on his way to have coffee with Earl. Let's not rip into Jay,
3: right? Love it. Uh, Hey, Jerry and Delta, you're on Sportsnet 650 starting lineup. Good morning.
6: Yeah, good morning, guys. I just wanted to make a couple of points about what you were talking about there. Um, When you look at the way the Canadian division is playing right now, and I know Demko's uh, had a pretty good run at this, but again, the competition that he's playing compared to the rest of the divisions in the NHL right now, I would feel very, very sorry for him having to go against the Colorados, the Islanders, the uh, Carolinas, because I just don't think Vancouver steps up to that level and I think that's their biggest problem. I mean, they talk about a couple of years getting better uh, with the players they've got, but you talk about balance and what they've done. I mean, are they going to get better in two years? And are you giving uh, the Jim Benning uh, nine years to try and get this right? I'm just, I'm asking you guys, what do you think?
3: Jerry, it's a good, it's a good question. And thanks for the call. I would say that you, there was an expectation this year of internal growth with Pedersen taking a step forward Hughes taking another stride forward Um, you know the kids and the young guys growing and you know what I don't think we quite saw that as much with the young guys but I will say this the one guy who did above and beyond and that everybody's encouraged about is Thatcher Demko so you know what does this team look like in another two years from now Um, you know where's Thatcher Demko at where's Elias Pedersen at Quinn Hughes I mean it's a huge unknown but I think most people like which way they're trending overall. Uh, let's see if we can have time for one more. Vance is in the loops. Vance, good morning. You're on Sportsnet 650.
7: Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? This fine morning.
3: Excellent. Good, Vance. It's like almost 9 o'clock, so it's almost home time for us.
7: Right? Exactly. Um, so, I, I just had a couple of things. First of all, uh, Jake, go to bed. Uh, anybody that says they should uh, be trading uh, Patterson, uh is not doing well in life, I don't think. Um, second, and, and, and the question I have for you guys, uh, and, I'll, and I'll hang out right away is uh, uh, Was it last week or the week before we saw Robin Leonard get sent down to the minors uh, for conditioning? Um, how is it simply because uh, Vancouver's farm team is in Utica that we couldn't pull the same uh, move for Holby? um and i'll will just leave it at that and i'll let you guys answer thanks
3: a lot i think farm location uh it has a huge factor on situations like that and you look at teams like the leafs you look at teams like the montreal canadiens you look at the ottawa senators for that matter perry um they're all within short driving distances and we've talked about for years uh, you know the canucks like the canucks love the utica system and i think there's obviously a business component to it but, man, oh, man, there's an element that you kind of think, boy, doesn't Abbotsford or Langley or wherever that arena would be here make a whole lot of sense for this team from a developmental standpoint?
2: Yeah, that's exactly why. And, you know, they've got a couple of players in Manitoba just to make it a little easier. But they knew uh, they were going to be up against it this year because of quarantine, because of the issues at the border, that that's just not a card that they could play. So uh, there's your reason right there. And besides, you, you send Hopi away to, what, have Di Pietro up here? and then you're dealing with him, quarantine and everything, it's, it's it's complicated for them and hasn't made it that much easier as well. So. Uh, we're Thank
3: up you. against the clock, sorry. We can't get to everybody on the phones, but we certainly appreciate it uh, calling in at 604-280-0650. A couple of final thoughts on the Dunbar Lumber text line before we turn things over to the Scott Tool Show, and we'll do that next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
7: This
0: is The Starting Lineup with Gene Sibulski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650.
3: This hour of The Starting Lineup, a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda, located at 152nd and Fraser Highway, where you'll find quality and community. Sabolski, Selkowski, uh, ready to make our way for uh, Scott Rinchel stepping in at nine o'clock this morning. Uh, Mike McKenna, former pro goaltender, David Amber from Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet's Brad Faye also dropping by the show coming up at nine o'clock this morning. Uh, been a hot show here this,
2: down the stretch here this morning, pair. Well, I think people just want, like they want to know what's next. I mean, The white flag, uh, the white towel statue is in front with Roger Nielsen. And I think a lot of fans yesterday, when Horvath got hurt, you look and go, okay, there's no way they're beating the Jets tomorrow. They'll get a break. Maybe they'll be healthy. But, you know, they have to essentially hope the Habs go 500 and they'll still have to win two out of three. The tall, tall, tall task. And they're wondering, what's the move? How Pedersen and Hughes became part of it, I'm not sure. But they want to move. Uh, The frustration is showing through. But... Hey, let's look at the fact. This has been a really good hockey team to march, and I know we're throwing them out and going, they're done. Uh, It's the belief in that dressing room, and maybe they'll have a different mindset when they return after tomorrow. I shouldn't be throwing them under the bus tomorrow, but I just don't think they have a chance with the squad they have right now.
3: Doran and Victoria on the Dunbar-Lumber text line at 650-650. We want the AHL team in Victoria.
2: That's a good fit.
3: Hmm.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it needs to be closer. And that's an ongoing conversation, and we knew it was going to be an issue this year too. But uh, you know, it's part of, it's part of the situation. Should mention the Habs closed their practice today, so we'll see we'll see if the Habs and the Oilers get their games in. They're not supposed to play till tomorrow, but uh, they're practicing, they're testing, but it's it's closed to everybody.
3: John in Vancouver, any talk of moving Horvat is ridiculous. Him, Hughes, Demko are your keepers. The rest are pieces. Why Horvat is so disrespected in this market is embarrassing. Born to lead, good in tough times, tough areas of the ice, great when it matters in the playoffs. Is this more anti-Ontario bias? This market doesn't deserve Horvat. That's John in Vancouver. Man, I will say this: I, I'm, I'm sometimes this year has been an interesting. Dynamic on Bo Horvat Because there are some people That will message me and say Man, the media just praises Bo Horvat And they put him on a pedestal And what does he do And then there are other people that are like Man, Bo doesn't do enough this has been a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde year for Bo Horvat. I thought he got off to a tough start, but you listen to the praise that Jim Benning has had for Bo and even Travis Green over the last uh, – Well, yesterday. Over, 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 yeah, last, yesterday morning after the morning skate, yeah. right? It's a high praise for Bo Horvath and what he's meant to the team this year.
2: Well, I you know, there was a time when all this team had was really, you know, Bo Horvat and Brock Besser, right? But the, those two guys, here's our future – And I think both have grown into really good leaders and good hockey players for this team. Superstars will be Hughes and Pedersen, and it will always be that way. But you win with Bo Horvat and and Brock Besser as well. They have been consistent. And it's ironic that Travis Green just kind of went off yesterday on on Bo Horvat when questioned pregame and said, like, this guy is the driving force. He is the engine. Uh, And they are going to miss him. He continues to get better. Uh, I don't think Bo Horvat is a guy who's in the pipeline to be traded, nor is there Brock Besser. Things have to be tinkered with, but I don't think you want to tinker with the foundation. But you can sense the frustration because when this team is hurt as they are, even when they play really well, it's likely not good enough for them to get any points.
3: Um, I'll close on this uh, on this text here, Pair. Uh, Jay, Jay's take in Coquitlam was almost as bad as Perry's typical takes.
2: Uh, where was that one? <laughs> Ding, ding. That was a Greg Ballack text to you. No, no, Greg, that's, Greg. You, can, you, can, you can find it. Um, <laughs> We got to get out
3: of here. The Scott Ritual show coming your way uh, in just a matter of moments. Hey, a reminder, tomorrow uh, we'll tee you up and get you set for the Canucks and the Jets round two for this week. Final game before the week-long break for the Canucks. Couldn't come at a better time, it appears. And Ed Jobinowski will join the show as well. We're back at it. Same bad time, same bad channel, right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 6.0. Fifty.